Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay, don't listen to Joe Lanza, because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Give me a name. Like Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I am Rich Craig, alongside, as always, the king himself, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? Captain Craig. Is that really? I uh, yeah. Is that the official yet? Is that what we're going with? Um, I I don't know. I haven't felt enough of a, a groundswell yet to go with that as the one. You know what I mean? Are you the cap? It'll come. It'll cap- happen. Now, is it going to be Captain or, or Captain? Or captain. I would like to be Captain, like like, like Captain Crunch, right? Well, that's Captain. Yeah, that's what I'd like to be. I'd like to be that. Or, or would you like to be like Captain New Japan? Uh, like, no, as, as whatever I could do to not be Captain New Japan, as far away from Captain New Japan as possible. I think I'd rather be, but, well, Captain Mike Rotondo was Captain, which, by the way, we had a nice little insight. Uh, we talked about that last week. That's how I think what spurned this discussion of Captain Craig is that we, and I did not make this connection. I don't think you did either. Somebody in our, our show thread on our forums, voicewrestling.com slash forums, by the way, brought up that, well, he was like captain in the varsity club. And then when the varsity club broke up, he was captain, but then he literally became a captain of like a ship. And I did not know that was the timeline. I didn't make that connection either, and that's really stupid to make him a boat captain. <laughs> He's the captain of the varsity club. Is that correct timeline? Did you did you follow that up and make sure? I mean, because it, it seems like it would make it sense, makes right? Sense because wasn't that around right. eighty nine, ninety that he was the You're right. captain? Yeah, yeah. And that was you know varsity club was like eighty eight to eighty nine or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I, it, it's an interesting part of me admires that that you know you just. Stick with the captain motif, but a whole different kind of captain. We have some other suggestions for you. Okay, maybe you like these better than captain. We got secretly sassy Rich Crage. <laughs> That's a terrible. I'm not going with that. Uh, one. You don't like. Secret- I mean, if it, but see, I can't choose though. It's just got to become what it becomes is what it becomes. You know what I mean? Like I can't control that. So if it is secretly sassy, then so be it. But you know, how about triple Crage? Huh. That's a deep one. Who who sent that one in? Triple Crate. That's not bad. That's that's a a, a decent play on words there. Because they don't know. They don't when they don't know that. Yeah, I'm the third. So that's they must have been a, a heavy listener or a personal friend. Who who it was is a heavy listener? That uh, Triple Crate was a suggestion by uh, frequent caller Rick from Seattle. Okay. How does he know? Him? Well, Triple Crate. <laughs> I won't ask how he knows. Uh, secretly sassy was suggested by Head Cheese. Okay. A frequent listener. Mm-hmm. Always plugs the uh, podcast. Yeah, Hedgehog's a good man. So th- those are the options. It's Captain 
<laughs> okay, wow, geez. Listen, I gave you an opportunity last week and you didn't give me anything. So you got capped. Well, you said I wasn't allowed to come up with my own. That's true. So, so that's why I haven't. So, so here's, here are your options then. You got Captain Rich Krach. Triple Krach isn't bad. Secretly Sassy Rich Krach. And Triple Krach. Okay. Now listen. I'll, I'll, I'll stew on those. I like Captain and, and Triple Krach a lot. That, that's not bad. Whatever ultimately. Triple H is deep. It, it's, it, you, you know, you got the Triple H reference and the fact that I don't even know if he knows this, but that I'm the third. Maybe he doesn't know that. Maybe he was just making a play on the Triple H words. So you're Rich Krach the third. I am the third. So it works in, in, in two ways. Are you a so. real the third? Yes, I am. You guys absolutely. have the same middle names and everything. No, absolutely. And it will never happen ever again. It will end with me because it is very annoying. <laughs> like, you go to doctor's offices and they're like, all right, Rich, like, let's see what's up here. And they like, you know, I'll go to like the dentist or whatever and they'll be looking at me and I'll be like, huh. And then I, I see them, they like kind of are like talking to each other and I'm like, what's going on here? And he's like, you didn't get a root canal, did you? And I was like, no. And they're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> it's like my dad, who, you know, like, he's like 60 and I'm, you know, 30. So it's like, well, no, like, you can probably tell the difference, right? But like they always like get my chart and they look at it, and I know, and I'm just sitting there, and I just want to tell them you have my dad's chart. But they'll look at it and they'll look and they'll look at me and they'll look at the chart, and then they're like, "Yeah, I don't know what's going on here." Like that's fine. And I'm like, "Oh, my dad's also got the same name." So yeah, it, it will end with me. You just gotta go to a different dentist, right? Uh, yeah, I suppose. But when you live in the booming metropolis of Chicago, Illinois, I mean, I'm that's sure there's there's multiple there's, there's multiple several. Is, you know, you're not like locked into some. <laughs> shit dick town like i am i mean you know you've got some options there jeez oh, that's a slight you know? at uh your town's alive again like it's a, it's only shit dick in the uh um, oh, in, in, in the summer right the vibrant uh cultural center that is college station texas no no the students are back and uh you know the population of uh the greater bcs area has swelled over two hundred thousand once again there you go. Uh, so, so you know, uh, I you know. my uh, my my buddy, his uh, he's getting married, and his wife is an A and M alum, and she went there last weekend to watch the game. That was her bachelorette party. They went down to Texas A and M, and oh, she's like crazy. Hold on, too. how old? Are you? Oh, I'm sorry, I should have told you about that. Yeah, my bad. I gotta be let in on these things. A bachelor party. I, I really, she's a good girl. I didn't want you getting involved. Yeah, but with her, that, fr- so. her friends might not be good girls. I'm all about bad girls. You, they, I could, I had, pl- they could have stayed for free. I, yeah, I could have okay. met him somewhere. It would be- well, her dad owns like a giant ranch down there, so I think they probably stayed with the dad. Listen, when your options are some <laughs> giant ranch with cattle, or or Casa Lanza, that's true. You got many empty rooms with nothing on them. So. <laughs> many empty rooms. You got a, a swinging bachelor here. Okay, here I'm not. Listen, I, I apologize. I probably shouldn't. Have told Here's you how that you bad. play this yeah. next time. Okay. Okay. You don't. You're not. You don't do it all creepy. Like, hey, I have this friend down there, and he's he's a real single creeper, and he'd like you to come sleep at his house. No, you say. Oh, that's how I sold it. So that did, that didn't. Hey, well. look, you know, my buddy Joe's down there. You know, uh, you know, he, why don't you guys go out? You know, he'll 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 show the group around. Maybe go out to dinner or something, and then I handle it from there. You see? Okay. You see? And mm-hmm. then I work my claws in. If it goes nowhere, I don't care because I don't know these people. You know what I mean? I just go home with my tail between my legs. And I never have to think about it again. I'm sure you, but you get a great story out of it. If I got, it's true. yeah, you're right. So you can get a great Joanne's a humiliation story out of it. I could get a house full of, you know, uh, people for coming in for, listen, and bachelorette parties, they're all out of their minds. It's, you know, whatever happens in college station stays in college station. You know, that's, yeah, it's on the, it's on the billboard, right? Yeah, absolutely. As soon as you come into town, as soon as you fly into Easterwood <laughs> airport, Okay, <laughs> lovely Easter. <laughs> and you step, and you step into the empty terminal, and oh boy, is it empty! Okay, uh, it, it, it's set. What happens in College Station stays in College Station. So I mean, geez, a bachelorette part—that's like putty in my hands. How? Can I'm not sorry. Help yeah, I, I apologize. That was that was an oversight. To be fair, I didn't know about it until like Friday. So I, I, I still—that's no excuse. I apologize. 
It won't happen again. Was your buddy next time? It's your buddy's wife, you said? Yeah, yeah. We'll or we'll soon to be wife, of course. Oh, it's his uh, fiance. So is he? Yeah, his fiance. Yeah. He was here alone with like nine broads. I mean, is that? No, he didn't go. He didn't go. They went. Oh, the guy wasn't even there. No, he stayed here. And then his so so his fiance, her sister, who are from there and live down there, and their dad lives down there, whatever. And we both went to A and M. They grabbed all their Chicago friends and went down there to watch a game and, and do whatever you do in college days in Texas. You visit the uh, George W. Bush Presidential Library. I'm sure that was on the itinerary. Yeah. <laughs> it was very high on their list. Uh, you know, because what, what group of, of, of sassy bachelorettes doesn't want to visit a presidential library? I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun, right? So what you do is you visit Joe Lanza, the Casa Lanza. I mean, this really mm-hmm, is a yeah. happening spot down here. I'm disappointed, Crate. You weren't. I'm sorry. I apologize. I probably shouldn't have told you that. That was that was. You, that see, was... you don't have my single man mind anymore. Is what the. I don't. I don't care. Yeah, single, like the, women being single and in a group does nothing. Like you know, it doesn't, it doesn't trigger. trigger right? It doesn't trigger like it used to. Yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, that's fun. Like go enjoy the football game. <laughs> like it didn't even. Yeah, that you were gonna be. Yeah, sorry. I apologize. I really am. I'm very sorry about that. Unbelievable! I would have fired up the grill for the first time in months. I would have had things going on. <laughs> you don't grill? You don't do anything? I got a. Gr- I have a grill. Back. What do you eat? What do you eat? What is a normal day in in what is a normal weekly menu in in, in the Lanza world? What, the weekly menu? Wow. Yeah. Well, what do you eat on a normal week? I actually, I'm three I'm, meals. Don't give me every I'm, meal. Like three I'm meals. I'm a decent like, cook. You know that. I know that. That's why I'm wondering why you don't. But you don't do grill, though, right? I've got a grill. I just don't fire it up too often. I forget it's also like 110 degrees. Exactly. Here. It's like 110 yeah, out. So then you put the gr- – you're standing over a 400 <laughs> Yeah. Grill. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, you know? So, so, like, it's funny. Like, you you people up north, you'll, you'll grill all summer. That's like a summer thing. Here, I don't even – I don't even take the cover off the grill until it's like November because I don't want to stand over the thing. So I'm, gr- I'm out there grilling like in January. Which probably makes no sense to you, but that's when it's like you know seventy degrees out, and, and you know you don't mind standing over the thing. All right, let's get to let's, we got a little bit of stuff. You have a, an indie show in your neck of the woods. It's not too bad. Are you are you going? Are you making the four hour drive to a, is it VIP wrestling? Correct. Uh, yeah, VIP wrestling. Actually, as we're recording this, uh, Cody Rhodes and and Chris Hero should be hitting the ring in a couple minutes. Like, well, I guess the show just started, and I assume they're the main event. But uh, by the time every single person listens to this, Cody Rhodes will have wrestled Chris Hero for VIP Wrestling. And then they have a show tomorrow, and that's really the only match of note tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious f- for the result of that because, uh, you know, Cody hasn't done a clean job yet on the end. No, yeah, if you, if you follow his, his indie career, it's been, it's been, he's working lots of places. And so, he's winning uh, a lot of places. Yes, he is. And he's, yeah, he's and he's not... and he's never he hasn't done the clean one two three yet, which is interesting. That's why I I made a Twitter call. I want the result of this match, and I want to know context too, not just when or the result because there's been results where he's you know lost. But, but yeah, it's a little bit deeper than that. Of okay, well there was interference here, there was this, there was this. So yeah, a lot different. Um, we we need to know the context of the result as well. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. So that's what I'm looking for. So I put a call out. Um, we do have some people from the Texas area that follow us, obviously. So hopefully, but yeah, the show tomorrow is actually the better of the two shows that they're running, and it'd be a four-hour drive. I'm thinking about it. We talked a little off-air. It's the drive home that's the killer, you know, pulling in the driveway at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, um, and not falling asleep on the highway and wrapping myself around a pole. So, uh, but it's Zack Saber Jr. against Sammy Guevara. Which that's not is bad. a match yeah, that I definitely want to see. But look, look at the rest of this card, Rich. You got Ray Rowe against Keith Lee. Uh, oh yeah, nice. Yeah, I mean you've got uh, Jessica James versus Crazy Mary Dobson, 
Uh, Noah superstar Andy Dalton against Steve Anthony. I know you're not a big Steve Anthony guy. And then uh, let's see, we got Masada on the card. I know you're a huge oh Masada. oh that's where all oh, the four hour drive is happening. Are you kidding? He's teaming. You're let Masada <laughs> be in your backyard, your literal backyard. You're not going to do it. I listen. Masada wrestles all over. As you know, I'm not a big Masada <laughs> fan either. He's teaming with Brent McKenzie, the man who just knocked out Hernandez in a confirmed shoot. Um, an actual. Oh yeah, that's that guy. Okay, yeah, nice. Brent so, McKen- killer. So Hernandez will not be on the card. Uh, there's no Hernandez on the. Card. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, and then this is this, and then it, there's like this eight man tag where one of the teams is uh, Unholy Gregory James, A.R. Fox, DJ Z, and Sanjay Dutt. Oh, shit. That, and, and the name of their little faction in VIP is the Flip and Flash Club. <laughs> it, it works. That's... If you have A.R. Fox in your faction, there's nothing, you know, you got to have flips and flash in the name. So, uh, you know, they, they've, they're they in a, I don't know, it's a good card. The problem is it's four hours away. Um, so I'm letting Twitter decide. Now, if there's a lot of uh, uh, Twitter people there and I can hang out with some people, maybe that'll talk me into it. So uh, we'll see what they say. And uh, if I go to the show, obviously, I look, that Zack Sabre Jr. match against Sammy Guevara has a chance to be. Uh, off the charts. I'm sure Sammy G will be chopping at the bit, Rich, to improve. Yeah, and if you get any chance to watch Zack Sabre live, I think he's a guy, and I think we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later in the Cruiserweight Classic, but he's a guy that I think has been to a lot of people that maybe aren't aware of him all that much or have just kind of seen videos of him or whatever, and they'll watch the Cruiserweight Classic, and you don't really, I, I, I don't think we've seen the best of Zack Sabre there, but when I've seen him live throughout this year, and I've seen him a bunch at AEW, which we'll talk about here in just a, uh, a moment here, um, I've just been like, he, he jumps off of the page live. Like, there's something about him that's just live Watching him is just so much better than watching on TV. And I, I don't exactly know why. I don't know what it is exactly. But there's just something about the live experience of a Zack Sabre Jr. match just seems to far outweigh watching him on tape. Because I will watch, you know, hyped Zack Sabre matches. On, and they, they just don't match up with what I see live. And it's, it's, it's interesting in that way. I don't know if you've also experienced that because you saw him at WrestleMania weekend or whatever. Um, I don't know if you've kind of noticed that same thing that, you, you know, he jumped off the page at WrestleMania weekend. Then you watch some of his tape stuff and it doesn't quite do it for you. I think you're dead on, and I think um, I really liked the one Cruiserweight Classic match. Well, against Gulak, right? Round two. Yeah, well, I like the Noam Dar one, but a lot of people didn't. I didn't. Yeah. But we're going to do Cruiserweight Classic talk later. Exactly, yes. So we'll save that debate. Uh, But I I agree with you. I I think live, and and for years, I obviously been watching him for years on tape, and he was a guy that I liked but I didn't necessarily love, and seeing him live really is a completely different experience for whatever reason. Some people are just like that. I mean, for years, I've said that about ACH. I don't know if you agree with me there, but he's another guy who it's just different watching him live. It's just a different kind of experience. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go to that show. Maybe I won't. Um, it's, it's just a drive back, man. I don't want to be dead. What good am I if I'm dead? You know, I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to drive into a pole or into oncoming that's a good. That's a good slogan for you, Joe Lanza. What good am I if I'm dead? That's, that's, yeah, that's you know, it's, it's valid, though. That's what it says on the Casa Lanza uh, uh, billboard when you drive into the, the driveway. <laughs> it says that. So, no, we're talking a little bit of indie wrestling here because, you know, this is a topic you and I both wanted to talk about because we obviously had the Battle of Los Angeles PWGs this past weekend, which we wanted to discuss a little bit. But uh, we said on the show last week that I was going to talk about AEW because I was going to, you know, we were recording on a Wednesday because that Thursday – I was going to an AEW show, um, and we didn't get to it because we ended up saying, oh, we don't have anything to talk about, and then we went, ended up going you know, three hours uh, easily. But that was a show that I went to, and, and, and AEW I've gone to the entire week, or uh, the entire year, rather, and we've, we've talked a lot about 
wanting to to bring this up a, a, a many times throughout the the past few months of talking about the evolution of AEW into becoming, you know, a Chicago or the Midwest sort of super indie. And we thought this would be a good way to kind of talk about it because you obviously had Bola, which is the, you, you know, the, the standard bearer for the super indie in America, correct? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, there's almost no debate that that's what they do now, and that's kind of their thing. But um, I, I think, well, first off, let me talk a little bit about the AEW show that I went to, and then we'll kind of talk with this macro topic that we we're going to talk about regarding indie shows, uh, or super indies, rather. But yeah, the, I mean, this show was another AEW this year. And, and for people that aren't following it or aren't into that independent scene, or, or I don't think there's any way you can escape AEW this year and what they've done and, and, and just how eye-opening their stuff has been throughout the year because, as I said, they become the Midwest Super Indie. I mean, on this show, give you a quick rundown of the guys that were here. DJ Z, Colt Cabana, Erie from, from Japan, Shigeru Erie, Michael Elgin, Cedric Alexander, Zack Sabre Jr., Silas Young, Phoenix, Sammy Callahan, Chris Hero, Drew Galloway, Pentagon Jr., and Tommaso Ciampa. That was the card. That Oh, and Dave, Dave Chris was in there, too, but we're not going to count Dave Chris. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. Absolute <laughs> burial of Oink, or whatever the hell they call themselves. Um, what do they call themselves now? OI4K. Yeah, they are Ohio's Four Killers. Yeah, yeah. The, the former uh, Irish. Air and Air I could really get, I could, you know, I got blackmailed, Dave Chris. I can really get him in trouble if I wanted to. Oh, but I'm not wow, going, this, so. this podcast going. He said something on the show that if I ever wanted to, I got in the back pocket. So we'll. Uh, uh, don't be that guy. No, I'm not going to. That's I'm joking. Don't be but, that guy. But yeah, but uh, the, the former Irish Airborne. Tweet and find it and I, tell him. <laughs> you know, they were once a couple of young, strapping, handsome young oh, men. Oh, yes. As yeah. Irish Airborne, you know, doing their flips on Ring of Honor shows and whatnot. And uh, I don't know, man. You wouldn't know that they were the same men. But admittedly, although they're not very over with you and they're not my favorite act either, um, they're over. I mean, you go to the shows, though, you would have a better feel than me. Uh, are they over locally? People do like them. Yeah, I mean, I've never quite gotten it. I don't – I mean, I, of course, I, I've never liked them. So <laughs> it's tough for me to really kind of get it. But, no, people do. I mean, it, it's – you know, when they came back or because, you know, one of uh, I forgot which one I think uh, one of them retired. I, I blanks on me. I, I mix them up all the time. But um, ever since they've started to kind of come back and, and they've been in AEW a lot more recently. And, you know, when they initially came in, they got a nice little pop. People were into them and their, their matches are they're very suited for like the opening of a show and that sort of stuff, because they they still have some of the tinges of like the Irish Airborne. Of course, they're not as high flying, but when they do bust out those moves, it, it looks it looks impressive when they do that because they're bigger guys now. They've kind of gained a little bit of weight. They don't seem like they seem kind of like tough brawlers, but then they do like a, they'll bust out like some, you know, tope or something like that. And the crowd goes nuts for it because they don't look like the type of guys uh, that should do it. So it's kind of interesting in that sense. So, no, they're, they're still super over now. They've kind of because um, now they're aligned with uh, Sammy Callahan. So they do sort of a heel gimmick where they're kind of his lackeys or whatever. And it, it works again. People give them tremendous heat. People really hate them. And it's all like it's all positive stuff, though, for the most part. So, no, I like I might not be personal fans of them, but no, I, I can't deny that they're over and they're a, a, a great part of AEW this entire year. I can't get past their look. They, they, they look like extra guys thrown into a CZW death match who are there to just take weed whacker bumps. You know what I mean? It's, it's I can't. Uh, yeah. But you're right. Then they do just, you know, then they bust out the flips and the athletic stuff. Um, the return of I think it wasn't it Jake that retired. Listen. Yeah, I mixed up which all one. These, all I, these I, white guys look alike. Um, it's it's <laughs> when when Jake returned, or maybe it was Dave. I don't know. That got no pop though. I don't know if you were at that show. I was at that show and it got negative pop. Yeah, he ran out and nobody made a, a like one noise whatsoever. It, it was it was eerie how little noise there was made for that. Right, but I think it it the fact that they've stuck around after that just 
litany of all-star names that you ran off that worked on this AAW show. And every AAW show is like this now. It wasn't – this wasn't a – to make it clear, this was not some kind of special show that they were running. This is what AAW does now. They book the all-stars of indie wrestling the same way the PWG does. But it kind of bleeds in, into a point here, whereas you know uh, Dave and Jay Christ have sort of survived that and they continue to get booked where some of the other local guys have not. Um, it, it's like this is why I can't really condemn these promotions for switching over to a super indie model if they think that's going to be the best strategy to make the most money because if you're a local guy who is working these shows and you're over and they feel that you can draw money, you'll still get booked. You know, It, it then becomes survival of the fittest. And at that point, you see, you know, a lot of people aren't going to like what I have to say about the topic, but I really have no sympathy. It's, it's, if it, it, it's it, the promoter's job is to book the show and to book the people on, on his or her show that they feel are going to bring the best return on investment for their money. It's uh, uh, no promoter is obligated. No promoter has some civic duty to book local wrestlers. And that, and I, look, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be promotions that do book. That's fine too. I have no issue with promotions that book local wrestlers, but I don't have any issue with promoters who go for the super indie model either. I I, I really don't. I don't think they have any sort of obligation to make sure that local wrestlers are booked. The promoter's obligation is to book wrestlers that are going to draw money. Exactly. Yeah. And and like – you know, this entire argument, it's been it's it's propped up a lot in Chicago recently because PWG people are kind of used to that. It still does pop around almost every bowl of season where people go, oh, there's so many better guys in the California Indies. Why don't you book it? Like we hear that every single bowl of season. But it, it, for the most part, people understand the game with P, uh, PWG. But it's it's really just cropped up now the last year and a half or so, really the last year with AEW where they've kind of slowly transitioned into this where they used to be a, yes, they would bring in, you know, a ricochet at times or, you know, a few years ago, Kevin Steen came in and won the title and, 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 you know, Samoa Joe worked here. They would bring in, you know, one or two of those guys every single time. And then slowly but surely they kind of got, you know, they got comfortable and said, Hey, let's book a few of these guys. Let's book this guy. And what really blew the doors off is when they brought in the Lucha Underground guys, they brought in Pentagon Jr. And Phoenix. And then uh, you know, later down the line, they brought in Aerostar and Drago. And they've, they've had a lot of these guys come through. And ever since that, that's kind of happened. It's had this idea of like, okay, cool. We can just kind of book whoever we want because now people want to come here. People want to work here. You know, there are people that we can fly in. We are able to do this. And the, the, the flip side of that is that they're selling way more tickets than they ever were before. And that's, I, I have been to shows. I mean, I started going to AW about four or five years ago when I was first going, they were, you know, running the Berwyn Eagles club, which is a local place around here where I would show up, you know, five minutes before bell time, I didn't buy a ticket ahead of time. I gave him my twenty dollars or fifteen dollars or whatever it was, and I could sit wherever. Usually, I'd walk in, and somebody I knew would go, "Hey, Rich, over here," and like I would go walk. You know what I mean? Like that's how it was before. It was, "Oh, I'm gonna go get a beer. Let me get up and go do that." It has slowly become where they've they've grown out. They've like flat out grown out of the Berwyn Eagles Club. This last show that I went to, that Sierra Mayero show, uh, Mayero show that I was talking about, that was at the Berwyn Eagles Club, and it sold out in like five minutes because that that venue just cannot handle those people anymore. I mean, it, it was and it was to the walls. People were there. It was it was packed in there. I couldn't move. You couldn't go to the bathroom. You had to buy tickets, like I said, the day of, or you were screwed, or like uh, the the moment they went on to sale or whatever. So they moved to a bigger venue. Now that venue, they're almost at a point where they're almost selling that thing out. 
where now I go to that venue and it's impossible to walk around. It's hard to get stuff. Where the first time they ran that, it was like, oh, this is huge. What are you going to do with all this space? And and little by little, it's it's so we look at it and it's the sense that, yes, if you're going out there and, and just booking all these talents and doing all this stuff and you still have 20 people coming, then, yeah, of course, you're not, you know, what are you doing? You're just losing money, which, which is, again, I don't care if that's the if the, the, the promoter wants to book. You know, fifteen guys that cost two thousand dollars each and get, and sell twenty tickets. I don't care because I'll be one of the twenty watching. Like you know what I mean? Like that doesn't bother me. Like as a wrestling fan, I'm cool with that. But there's no reason to get mad at AW or get mad at a PWG or whatever if that is, you know, and, and people their business model is selling tickets and selling VOD and selling DVDs or whatever. And if this is what does it and this is what increases it, then there you go. There's no obligation then to book the local town. Or there's no you know, like you said, civic duty is I think the perfect word is to, to describe it because you know i know people that personally used to be booked by aw that no longer are that are local people that now you know are a little bitter about it because it's like yeah well you know i used to go there all the time and now you just fly these guys in and yes well i i feel bad for them because they were able to get good bookings from there they were making decent money you know aw evolved and it's we i can't get mad at them and i can't say that they have to do this or they should do this because what they're doing is still giving a product that people enjoy and more people than ever enjoy it and more people than ever are buying tickets and they're buying more expensive tickets and they're buying more VODs and they're buying more shirts when they're there and they're buying more alcohol when they're there like you know what I mean there's no reason to not do what they're doing if that's what's going to make them money and and make them more money which it absolutely has I mean the the, the attendance increases are incredible uh, with AW, so yeah, it's 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 weird in that sense. And one thing with Chicago, and then we can maybe talk a little better, parlay, you know, kind of relate it to PWG is in Chicago, you do have other promotions. You have freelance wrestling, which just popped up about two years ago, and they're a promotion that primarily books, you know, regional talent. They'll book a few guys here and there. You know, they had Jimmy Rave come in a few uh, months ago. They you know bring in some guys. You know, DJZ who who is local but still you know commands a decent pay. He, you know, he comes in every so often. There's there's been guys that have kind of come through there. I know Chris Hero worked uh, one of those shows as well. Chase Owens um, randomly came. Yeah, Chase Owens. Who could forget Chase Owens? Of course. But so they do. They'll do their you know few little guys here and there. But for the most part, it is a group of local talent. And you know, Dreamwave Wrestling is one that's about two hours away from Chicago. But they're very similar. That well, they'll book. They you know people kind of laugh at them because for a while they were booking you know five or six of these like outside flying talents and people were laughing at them oh what what are you doing there's no way you can afford this but then they would supplement their card with a bunch of other guys like Kurt Angle worked there last week for God's sakes you know what I mean like you know Cody Rhodes is going to be there in, in, in October so they do that and they'll grab like you know five or six of those guys and then have the rest of the card be kind of local Midwest guys St. Louis guys Chicago guys that sort of stuff so they'll do that so there are other options like these guys it's not like there's only one game in town and nobody else you know if you're a wrestler in Chicago, you're not going to make money. There are other options. It's just AEW has decided this is the route they want to go, and it, it like I, I just you, can you really get mad at them if they're selling more tickets and making more money? I mean, that's it, right? That's the whole goal, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I I don't begrudge local talent that loses bookings for being upset. They're losing bookings. There's money coming out of their pockets. I get it. I'd be upset too. But isn't this sort of the cycle of life? And isn't this how business works? Uh, you know, on the, the other, the, on the flip side here, you just talked about how AAW's business is booming now. Well, that's because Pentagon Jr. and Chris Hero and whoever else sell more tickets than these local guys were. I mean, you know, do you think Pete? Look, when when PWG was booking, you know, Ray Rosas and uh, and and Pretty Peter Avalon and 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 whatever other Chris Bosh, Chris Bosh, my and, favorite, and whoever you know, in two thousand and five <laughs> or whatever. You know, they may have been selling the same 400 tickets, but were they selling them for $100 each? And can you sell out the building 
at those price points that they, they just charged $100 for front row and $75 for the other seats and added standing room and sold out all three nights of Bola in 30 seconds. Could you do that with the local talent? People have to remember that these are businesses, okay? We're not privy. So we know that the gates are an enormous difference booking the international. I can't even say national anymore. International indie superstar all-star cards as opposed to booking the locals. Um, it, it, it's and, and I have to assume, even though we're not privy to the DVD sales, that Will Ospreay and Pentagon Jr., and Chris Hero are pushing more DVDs than these guys were in 2007 or 2006 or whatever it was. I mean that's just a, a logical, reasonable, reasonable conclusion to come to as well. So uh, I don't begrudge PWG or AAW to switching to this model if it's going to put more money in the promoter's pocket. That's just business. And if you're a local talent who does get over and can sell tickets and can provide value – you will continue to get booked, whether it's uh, you know Oink in in Chicago. What is it again? I can never. Ohio is oh, for Oi four K. Oi four K. Whether it's Dave and Jake Chris continuing to get booked on AAW shows, and I'm sure you can come up with other examples of guys. Yeah, there's Desmond Xavier's a guy who who's been booked a lot by AEW recently. A guy they're they're just kind of bringing up as well, who who's getting really good bookings and really good matches. I mean, he faced Ricochet you know a few weeks ago. Sure. So yeah, he's doing he's doing well. So he's he's kind of. Burst out a so little if bit you're there, those so. guys for AAW or if you're the Young Bucks or Brian Cage or, or someone who's been with PWG from the beginning and now you have a name and you have value and they continue to book those guys. You know, it, it's that's just the way pro wrestling has always worked. If you get over and you can draw, you will get booked. Um, so so, you know, it's it's I, and, you know, there, I've also saw an argument of. Well, what about the idea that they had a guy like the, the example used with Jeff Cobb? They said, well, what about the idea that Jeff Cobb was right in PWG's backyard all this time and they've never booked him until now? Well, my answer to that is simple. Jeff Cobb was a guy that the super hardcore indie fan knew was an excellent wrestler, right? I mean, we've known about Jeff Cobb for years, sure, but he's yeah. sort of been like an underground guy. But here's the thing. Jeff Cobb didn't have any market value or market yeah, there was ability no cachet to him. until he was on national TV working for Lucha Underground. I have no problem with them not booking Jeff Oh, and by the way, guess who's a fly-in now for uh, AW next month? Jeff Cobb. Right. So, I mean, you know, why, why would PWG use up a valuable spot on their shows when they're trying to push as many DVDs as possible and raise their ticket prices on Jeff Cobb before he was an established name? Okay? PWG... I'm sorry to break this to people in L.A. and Chicago. The fact of the matter is PWG is no longer an L.A. indie. They're not a West Coast independent group. Okay, We have championship wrestling from Hollywood for that. We have whoever else. We, and, and you named examples in Chicago already. Okay, What PWG is is an international independent professional wrestling promotion. It doesn't even matter that the shows are in Reseda, California anymore because you can do you can do those three bola shows in Omaha, Nebraska, Los Angeles, Miami, Florida, College Station, Texas, wherever you go, and you're still going to sell all 400 of those tickets all three nights because people are flying in for these shows now, traveling from far. You're st- they this these are indie super shows that happen to take place in Los Angeles. That's mm-hmm. all they are. They're not a Los Angeles indie. They have no obligation to book Jeff Cobb if he doesn't provide them value. I don't care how good he is. 
They have no obligation. Timothy Thatcher has been wrestling in California for years. When did PWG finally start booking Timothy Thatcher? When he had some name value. They don't book him anymore, but, you know, that's a whole nother. That's neither here nor there, but, you know. <laughs> but, but it's like, why should – they're not obligated to book California indie guys just because they're good in the ring. They're a big-time company now that they need to book people who draw money. And I don't really see that anything be- – and let me tell you something. And let me tell you something. For everyone who feels bad for the local guys, okay, on these, other, on these Dreamwave shows and these freelance shows, you, don't think for one second. For every local guy taking up a spot on that show, there's a local guy beneath them that isn't as big of a draw that isn't getting a spot either. It, this is just the cycle of life, and this is the way it goes, okay? And – you, you know, the counter argument of, well, PWG and AEW, they're not creating their own stars. Well, listen, there's constantly stars being cre- – like Jeff Cobb's a perfect example. These are groups now that don't have to create their own stars because they, they're just going to book the hottest stars from everywhere in the world, not even the country anymore. If a hot, look at all the European guys. You, you mentioned the Lucha Underground guys as that first wave. Now we have this wave of European internationals. They're going to book those. Everyone else is making the stars for them. That's their model. These other groups make the stars, and then they book them when they have name value. Um, and, and if you don't like that kind of show, if you prefer you know, a grassroots local show, go to it. I'm not ripping those guys. I, that's a sound model too. In fact, it's like I said. It's about getting return on investment. Rich, if I was going to book an indie show, which I would never do by the way. These guys got balls to do this because you know you really can take a bath as you. Yeah, I'm not doing that walk to the ATM. That's that's not me. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be the one that just runs away. <laughs> like when when the when the attendance isn't good, I'm just going to run away and never come back. Ever I'm more again. than but happy that's... being a customer and then critiquing them on the show and get. Yes, off. that's much easier. So when people say, "Oh, why don't you book?" It's because I don't want to. <laughs> so that's why I sit here and tell everybody else what they should be doing as opposed to me. Just going and doing it because I'm a scaredy cat and I don't want to. So right. there. I mean, but uh, here's the irony here. If I was going to book an indie show in College Station, Texas, which is an untapped market, by the way, which people have talked about. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Coming here. But it, getting the itch. He's getting the itch. But if, if I were to book a You're show not. here, it would be I, – I would book all locals that no one ever heard of. I'd book a bunch of dudes that are willing to work for 20 bucks because it's all about return on investment. Okay, I wouldn't fly in Chris Hero and, and Pentagon Jr. because I know I'm going to uh, take a bath. My strategy would be to book all locals and try to create stars and make money that way. I don't think either of the strategies are wrong. I just don't understand this idea that people are sort of condemning the AAWs and the PWGs. And look, you can't really argue with the products. The PWG shows, are, uh, these BOLA shows have gotten through the, possibly the best reviews they've ever gotten, which is saying something when it comes to PWG. And you're loving the shit out of these AAW shows. How, yeah, how was the show that you just went to? It was awesome. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, that you look at that card alone, and, and, and it's just like, you know, Elgin and, and Cedric. And what the problem, though, is it, what's interesting is this show felt there was kind of a malaise to the show because a lot of guys, this was it for them. Like uh, a month prior, Johnny Gargano, that was it for him. You know, this month it was Cedric Alexander was kind of doing his little send off, which uh, was definitely sad. And then and Tommaso Ciampa, of course, he was do, doing his send off as well, and he caught a really great promo. But yeah, I mean, the card was incredible. I mean, it was Elgin and, and Alexander uh, had an awesome match, it was an incredible match. Uh, Saber Silas Young had a really good one as well. Well, uh, Phoenix Sammy Callahan was yeah, it was okay. It still had Sammy Callahan in it, so that kind of hurt it a bit. Uh, Hero Galloway was pretty much what you'd expect, and Pentagon uh, Champa was was just awesome. And in kind of a surprise, Pentagon Jr. retained because that was a guy that we were, you know, kind of between you, you know being the people that were there, we we're saying okay. 
there's no way they kind of booked Pentagon Jr. for a while, and that was going to be a fun little thing to pop a few houses and do that sort of stuff. But there's no way he's going to retain the title because they have a tournament coming up, and they said that if you know Ciampa wins it, you know he's gonna he's leaving, so we'll vacate the title, and we have a tournament coming up, and the tournament, the, you know, the title will be defended the tournament. So that was basically to us a dead giveaway that hey, look, Ciampa's winning, Pentagon is probably not going to get booked here anymore. We're going to defend this title in this tournament. Well, then Pentagon just wins, you know what I mean? And then Phoenix wins, and it's just like oh, okay, like. I guess these guys are staying here. So it's it's interesting in that sense. And one, another thing that d- people did bring up, and I, I mentioned it again, you know, with Cedric departing and with, uh, you know, Ciampa departing and Galloway departing and a, a lot of these guys going to WWE or going to NXT or going elsewhere, that the Indies are, again, we have this conversation almost every, you know, six months, it seems, of, oh, the Indies have lost, you know, this, this, you know. Every single time, and we have to have this conversation every single time again, there's another crop ready to take their spot immediately. Jeff Cobb is ready to take that spot immediately, you know? Yeah, uh, within seconds he's ready and he's ready to go. Matt Riddell, Matt Riddle is getting booked on next. I mean, he's been booked a few times with, with AW and things have come up, but he's going to be back next month. There you go. He now moves up the ladder a little bit. Cedric or whoever, or you know, Champa moves up the ladder. He goes out. You bring in a Riddle. You bring in uh, Jeff Cobb. You bring in you know. Then you get to the European guys. Oh, Mark Haskins can come in and do so. You know what I mean? Like that that, that next wave is there. And how about, Pete, Pete, like, how about Pete Dunn? Just I mean, exactly. Pete Dunn's a guy who's now starting to get a little bit of a buzz or whatever. So it's like you know we're having this conversation again. And people are saying, and, and even independently, and while I was at that show, people were going, oh man, it's still, you know, this, they had their little ride, you know, they don't build stars, and now these guys are going out. Like, well, no, there's another crop of, you know, 20 dudes ready to take that spot immediately. Like, it's not going away. Like, there's, there's so much wrestling, and there's so much exposure to wrestling these days that these guys can be created. And, and like you're saying, the, the, the model for AW and PWG is now let them, let other promotions create these stars let these guys be created on the internet and and be created by these other promotions that when they're ready and when they have their cachet then we'll bring them in and then that that works because then you don't have the growing pains or whatever and some people can argue again that that's unsustainable and maybe it is but as long as it's sustainable why not i mean you know what i mean like yeah that's that's the downside to the super indie model with the changing world where wwe is fully stocking a hundred people in the performance center and signing people up and as WWE, maybe at some point they'll see this trend of, well, let's see, our very best people, our people who get over in NXT are, are these people with the who have grinded their teeth on the indie scene, and we just can't get these homegrowns over, we can't get them up to snuff in the ring, and their philosophy may fully change at some point to, instead of street recruits, we need to focus on experienced recruits. Uh, international, indie, whatever the case may be. And yeah, that will make a dent in the indie scene. So the, 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 the counter argument here is then what does the super indie do since they don't focus on making their own stars uh, and all of their people are taken away from them, then what? Uh, I am personally of the belief that no matter how deep WWE goes, there's so much talent in the indies. It, the key here now with the new world that we're in with WWE uh, uh, signing people up is you, is, is you have to find, you have to get this talent. You, you, it's, it's, you have to recognize that there's a new threat because for a decade, there was no threat. The Indies were what they were and these guys were just there and WWE wasn't interested. Now they are. So you have to constantly be aware of that. And I remember Gabe Sapolsky saying, it takes six months to get a new wrestler over. He's got three guys debuting on Evolve this weekend, okay? And maybe all three of them will get over and, and hook and, and make it. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Uh, but he's always had the philosophy that it takes six months. So what I think what the indie promoter has to always be cognizant of is knowing that even if you find talented people, it is going to take some time to get them over. I think what these indie promoters have to do now is do a little bit of longer-term planning, 
in terms of the talent that they choose and then getting them over to a position where they can have them at the top of the cards and drawing money. Do I think that the indies are out of talent? Absolutely not. There's talent everywhere. And there's always that next wave. Guys that you just mentioned. We just mentioned someone at the beginning of this show, a guy like Sammy Guevara, who's 21 years old impresses everybody no matter where he is i can't believe he's still 21 i feel like we've been talking about him for like four years because we have he was a, he was a like, literal teenager when he that's what i mean like we've been talking about him almost from the beginning i mean we, we you know this was one of our first guests on here and i remember hearing that one of our first episodes hearing that name and it's like geez we've been doing this podcast for four or five years now and i've been hearing that name for four or five years because he was 17 or whatever and like you know now he's he's just 21 it's and incredible. he spent the year blackballed and not getting booked well, that'll happen too. So but. he's like 21 or 22. Uh, you know, Inspire gave him his first big shot. He got over there, and, and we just talked. Now he's headlining a show against Zack Sabre Jr. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, eventually he's and, and he's gotten bookings in Florida for FIP where he got some exposure. You know, how about a guy in your neck of the woods who's coming up now? This, this Prince Mustafa Ali, tremendously yeah. talented guy. Okay, these are your next waves, people. And before you know it, but your Sammy Guevara's and your Prince Mustafa Ali's and, and, and whoever, you know, there's a, there's a local guys everywhere who fit this description, who people listening to can think of their own local promotions and say, yeah, this is a guy who's clearly going to break. These are going to be your next wave. These are going to be your guys working your AAWs and your PWGs. And, and, and I think the talent without – there's a guy, Matt McIntosh in New Jersey, who I think is tremendous, who never gets booked outside of New Jersey, who if the right people get their eyes on him, he would start getting these, these sorts of bookings as well. I mean you know, every local scene has them. Every local scene has them. So I, I, I def, the talent is there. It's a matter of just of, – of, 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 look, if WWE came in and signed everybody off the – which they might sign 75% of the guys that were at BOLA for all we know. I mean a lot of them are, are you know, on their radar. Okay? There might be a slight dip there for a while, but eventually new people are going to get over. Okay, A whole group of people are going to see Sammy Guevara wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. in Dallas, and they, they, he's going to open their eyes to him. Uh, every time that Prince Mustafa Ali wrestles in the Chicago area for freelance or whoever else, he gets new uh, eyes on him and he gets over. He wrestled at Cruiserweight Classic. You know, it's, it's, I don't worry about talent on the indie scene. I worry about are the promoters doing enough to get them over. And the super indies... That's the one critique you can make. They're not the ones getting these guys over. They're just plucking the guys that are already over. Right. Uh, do you want to talk about Evolve real quick before we get into our other topics? Because they got a good little weekend coming up as well. This would be a good time to squeeze that in, right? Yeah, let's do it. So they got Evolve 68 and 69 coming up this weekend. Uh, 68. The, the whole weekend is kind of a tribute to Johnny Gargano, who uh, will be departing, of course, the promotion uh, at the end of the weekend uh, to go full-time with WWE, which is uh, just, a, for me, it's kind of bittersweet because my, you know, and for anybody, really, if you were a DGUSA fan and, and kind of grew with DGUSA and grew, you know, with Evolve or whatever, Gargano's like the man. You know what I mean? Like the first few years there, he was the guy. And like for me, he was my big introduction to Dragon USA and all that sort of stuff. Of course, it was the Dragon Gate guys and the, the whole idea of the promotion. But he was like that first guy that really, you know, we talk about again, like a super indie transitioning into sort of one that was kind of building its own stars. Would you count Johnny Gargano as that first star of that DGUSA slash Evolve brand? He started in a dark match. Match eight wave, you know, fray match. Mm-hmm. Um, at, he literally was in the first match in, in Dragon Gate history, wasn't it? Yeah, with was it, it was a, with. By the way, Rich Prince Mustafa Ali. Oh yeah, yeah, you're I right. believe was in that match. If I'm not, let me find out. I'm almost positive if you're correct there. Let me let me let me confirm that though and open the historic gate. Right, that's the name of the event. Or so, let's Ali. See. Doesn't he just use the Prince gimmick in certain places? Uh, yeah, I don't know if he uses it everywhere, but about, yeah, exactly. All right, let's see. 
Oh, we got a few guys in here. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't look like he's in there. Lindsay Dorado was in there, though. And Aaron Arbo, Andy Harner, Cheech, Chris Lu- uh, Chris Jones, Cloudy, Johnny Gargano, and Lewis Linden. Maybe were you mixing him up with Lewis Linden? He was – check the next show, too. He was in – Okay. In a frame match. But let's see. We had Cheech and Cloudy, Lewis London, uh, Johnny Organo. There were some names there and some guys that are forgotten that will never be seen again. Yeah, I don't see him on the uh, Enter the Dragon was the next one. I don't see him on that one either. But but I'll make sure. I'll see if he was on any show. But I'm sure he I, – I remember him being – at least in Chicago, I know he was on uh, the Chicago show that I went to. Um, I forgot what the hell the gate name of that one was, but uh, he was definitely on that one. So your point here being, though, with uh, Gargano is he's the guy who was in their literal first match of, of the company, Dragon Gate USA. And at that point, he was the Cleveland indie guy from uh, Cleveland All-Star Wrestling and, and, and AIW and places like that. Uh, denim vest, ponytail, horrendous look. Um, kind of fat still. A little, little <laughs> chubby. Baby fat little, on him, yeah. little chubby. And yeah, he he's been the face of that, and it didn't take him long to emerge. You know, he had the long storyline, and then the Chuck Taylor stuff, and then he became okay. So sorry, not to interrupt, but you he was on the one that I, I was crying. It was the one in Chicago, the Open the Untouchable Gate. It was Gargano. It was an eight way fray elimination match. This was in two thousand nine, uh, September two thousand nine. It was Gargano, Eric Cannon, Flip Kendrick, Hollow Wicked, Lewis Linden, Prince Mustafa Ali, Shima Zion, uh, Shimayan, and then uh, the Great Mal- uh, Malachi. I don't know who the hell the Great Malachi is. I don't know who that is he's either. I thought I knew guy. who it was, and it's not who I thought it was. No, I don't know who the hell Look, this guy is. Oh, he's like an old school, like, no, this is like a uh, an OG, like, oh, you know, my buddy wrestled him. <laughs> yeah, he's like an OG, like, Chicago indie guy, like, you know, the Windy City Pro Wrestling, oh, like that old Oh, he goes era, back to, like, like the Christopher Daniels. Yeah, guys. yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's one of those guys, so. Okay, so, uh, but where's he, let's see where he's working these days. Oh, jeez, yeah, I'm looking at wrestling. Up. Uh, he is working in CRW in Pens- in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania. I don't know what the hell. See, Code Red Wrestling. I guess he moved. I guess so. He worked a. Uh, this is he, he worked a zero one tour. In- <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at that. It's just like. Um. Yeah, but the rest of that match, jeez. I mean, those guys. That's a talent. All, yeah. You know, that's a pretty loaded uh, dark match. Uh, yeah, TJZ, of course, is Zion, in case you didn't know. It was spelled very different at that point. But, uh, Shima, Shima Zion. Yeah, Shima Zion is what it was spelled there. But yeah, you have Gargano, Cannon, Flip Kendrick, Hollow Wicked, Lewis Linden, Mustafa Ali, and then DJZ. That's, that's not bad. Yeah. Too bad. You know, that was a good show. Great, I remember that Malachi show. Malachi should have won. That would have been funny. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Gargano got it. But. <laughs> With all those guys in there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Gargano's been the face, so this is big. And, um, you know... I, you know, I'm so annoyed because I did a solo show and I was the first person to break the news that the 9-11 show would be the Gargano uh, uh, going away party for, uh, for WWN Live. That got no attention. We broke that story. No one talks about that. All I ever- the ones where we just kind of like allude to something, those go on Reddit though. Yes. And then Joe Lanza said that this is happening. Right. Like- 30 seconds later, I nail it with like four other scoops. No credit. But as soon as you get something wrong, or even if you just speculate and it's wrong, it's all over Reddit and you're the biggest idiot in the world. But, uh, but yeah, so this will be it for Gargano. And, and just to circle back to something we were talking about earlier, you know, Gabe's given three guys big opportunities to impress on these shows. They're quote-unquote evolved tryout matches or something. Isn't that the gimmick? Yeah. Uh, I think it's Darby Allen um, who took that ridiculous bump on the last set of shows. And then uh, I don't remember who the other two guys are. It's Chuck O'Neill and Travis Gordon. Okay. And again. Now, Chuck O'Neill's a former MMA guy as well. So he's kind of in the riddle um, 
canon there where they're going to try to do that again with him. I forgot. I, again, I'm not an MMA expert, so I have no idea about Chuck O'Neill's you know, MMA career, but I'm positive that's I, I know he did come from, I believe, UFC. I believe he was in UFC at some point. I don't know what or who he fought for or what the hell he did, but I know he is an ex-UFC guy. So Yeah, so um, uh, yeah, so that'll be it for Gargano. And, and, and to circle back, you see Gabe always trying to replenish the stock, getting new names in there. You know, at some point, all these guys who you consider big name indie guys, they weren't they didn't just show up as big name indie guys. This is the circle of life, man. So we'll see what happens here and uh with with these new guys. But yeah, uh, a follow-up to what I thought was one of their weaker evolve weekends in some time, uh SummerSlam weekend. I was not a big fan of those shows. We talked about them a little bit a couple weeks ago. Um so to me, this is a big weekend for Evolve, sort of to see if they can bounce back and have those a couple more super high caliber shows like they've been having until they sort of hit that roadblock. And we'll also see what's going on with this Thatcher thing with that weird, ambiguous heel turn that he made because mm-hmm. it's so hard to tell with him because everyone hates him anyway. So it's it's very difficult to tell. Uh, well, I don't think this is the weekend because he's not booked. So Oh, he's not even on the shows. <laughs> no, so I, I don't mean, know if you're going to say. How do you not take the title off that guy in, in Brooklyn? <laughs> I really don't understand. I, I mean, um, I like a lot of the things that Evolve is doing. I think uh, you, you sort of see that, that Gabe is re-energized, and he's a great booker when he's energized and he's got his head in the game. But, man, are they determined to make this Timothy Thatcher thing work. And it, it's just he's always the low point of every show, not even booked on these shows. Um, I just don't get it, man. I would I would have wrapped up that storyline SummerSlam weekend when you had all your eyes on the product. That had. was the time. Yeah, that was really and, and it, it, it felt like a changing of the guard sort of event as well because you brought in a bunch of new guys. You would sort of reach the apex of the catch point. Uh, you know, feud. And like I said, in the storyline, it made sense that Thatcher would win, and that's kind of what you would have to do based off how the story was going. But like you and and you alluded to as well, it's like yeah, but in a vacuum, maybe that was the way the storyline was going, but it's just not working. It's that you got to change course or do something, and then they decided to keep with it. Absolutely. At least to an extent, he turned heel or did so, you know whatever that thing was. So we'll see what that goes. It's but like uh, I would yeah, say, they're like a promotion without a champion because the, the the title you forget he's there. Yeah, you really do forget he's you there. forget he's there, and as a and because of that, you forget that they have a champion and a title. It's the great matches that carry that company, and as you can see, they don't even have to book them this weekend. And it's uh and 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 they're able to run these cards because they got other stuff that can carry the car. He's like such he's an afterthought. Their Absolutely. champion and their title is an afterthought, and they're <laughs> and they're one of the best. I mean, imagine that. Okay, so here's the scenario where if you would ask me one of the best book promotions in the country this year in the world this year, I would say Evolve. But at the same point, their champion is the least over guy in the entire promotion. Like how weird is it's, that? It's, you know, it's totally bizarre. So when they, <laughs> it's like everything else is almost like like nearly perfect, and their champion is just a total train wreck. It's and they're losing. Really and, and pro- well, yeah, we don't know for sure if they're going to lose. Well, yeah, I mean, they they, they are going to lose these guys. For, yeah, because this is it for Gargano for sure. But do we know for sure that they're losing guys like TJP and Alexander? I would assume so, right? I mean, are these it's, yeah, I will have to see. full time? I, I I think they're going to Performance Center, right? I, yeah, I'd is it a, isn't I it a little silly weird, if TJP goes to the performance center? Right, he just like has to go drive should, like I mean, an hour away. <laughs> should, <laughs> no, but here's the thing: like, shouldn't he be one of these guys like the Austin Aries, oh, Bob? Jump the ladder. Yeah, you should be able to jump the ladder if you're an evolve or whatever. That should almost be like the okay, you've proven yourself here. You're okay now. You know what I mean? Like, and especially TJ Perkins. I mean, geez, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Does he really, should he really be in the like performance? 22 years. He's like, you know, 30 years only wrestle for 22 years. Yeah. He's, he knows how to, knows what the hard cam is. It's okay. Just like, let him, let's go. I, I, you know, he, he seems to me to be a guy where even if you, well, I mean, he's going to be on raw, right? With the cruiserweight 
Uh, sure. Yeah. So he might be a guy who just skips the performance center. I mean, he should be. I mean, he's better than anybody there by a miles and miles. I mean, what? Well, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura is there, so it's like <laughs> I was going to say it's you know, but it's like, but here's the thing: is he? Is he? No. Yeah, he's not. I mean, there's, there's, you got to kind of. It's like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing. Nakamura is there because he's a draw, not because I, I, I don't know what he's doing in the classes. I, I'm not privy to that, but I'm imagining he's not sitting in on like, I know, well, look, you know headlock 101 or whatever the health class is being taught. You know what I mean? We know he's in NXT, but do we know he's in the before? Like, I assume he's there working on promos and stuff. In his, yeah, or working out or on promos. Yeah, he's probably not in like the the crash pad ring, like learning how to you know roll or whatever. I'm sure that's not. Happening because for him, he's got English as a second language, so that's a different kind of deal. Um, I still think he should be on the main roster. It's ridiculous. The guy should be on Raw. He should be the number one babyface on Raw. It's a show that doesn't have a number one babyface. He'd be over like crazy. There's no reason for that man not to be. And we're going to talk about a show here later uh, in a bit that uh, is desperate for names and stars or whatever. Yeah, SmackDown, whichever one. Take your. I mean, literally any one of those could probably use Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, that's a breaking news there, but Shinsuke is good and over, and, and people like him. So It's utterly ridiculous that the man hasn't <laughs> stepped foot in a ring in two weeks. I do like the people defending it, too. Like, that, that's my favorite thing ever, is that people, like, for whatever reason, they're, they're – and I get it. Like, again, we, we've mentioned that multiple times as well, that we – if it was up to me, yes, he would be there forever. But you know, part of me also thinks – I, I kind of have this weird thing because we said that weeks ago that, yes, part of me would love to, for him to be in NXT forever and do all that sort of stuff. But another part of me goes, man, there's a lot of really good talent on the main roster right now. A lot of those talent have graduated that I would really like to see Nakamura against Owens, against Zayn, against Styles, against, you know, uh, Dean Ambrose or whatever. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of those guys. There are almost more guys in the main roster that I want to see him against than guys on NXT at this point. I mean, look, he's not one of these guys who signed for $60,000 either. They're paying him a lot of money. To sit home and fuck around in promo class when their main roster is in dire need of a star. I mean, it just blows me away from a business perspective. Like you, I'd rather see him wrestle on takeovers. But, um, you know, it's, it's, this is just stupid, you know? But anyway, I just, I think TJP's a guy who has no use for the Performance Center. I mean, he should be teaching people at the Performance Center, for God's sake. I mean, you know, so hopefully he's just, you know, the kind of guy who's on TV every week and is on the road and is just a, a roster member. But, you know, Evolve, here we go. They got three new guys coming in. What else they got going on on these cards here? Yeah, so 68, the main event is Gargano and Zack Sabre. This is his last singles match, uh, Johnny Gargano's last one. Uh, you also have Galloway. Uh, versus Drew Gulak, you have Dustin, all caps, versus Tracy Wait, Williams. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Gargano's facing who in his... Oh, Zack Sabre Jr., who, sorry. Who just did a heel turn himself, so you, you figure he's going to win that match and continue on. And be right. one of the, And that's also a tip-off. I mean, it's pretty obvious at this point, and we'll talk Cruiserweight Classic later, that Zack Sabre Jr. is not going to WWE. Um, he, he's still the champion in various <laughs> independent promotions he, and holding titles. He's getting a big push and evolve. Uh, I guess you could argue you can do both because of the affiliation, but it, it certainly yeah. seems like he's not a guy who's headed. To- I was on an, I, at that AW show. There were standing ovations and, and please don't go and you deserve a chance for Cedric Alexander and Champa and a bunch of other guys. And there was not one for Zach. It, so, it doesn't look like it's wrestled and went, see ya. <laughs> I'll be back. And that was, you know, it seems like less of the he didn't take a bow after his match. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it looks like he's getting a push. So in Evolve, so it doesn't look like Tommy ends another one who's on, who's done. And on his way, so doing all his farewells. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But uh, Saber is not one of them. But So he figures to beat Gargano there and continue on. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Galloway versus Drew Gulak, as I mentioned. Dustin versus Tracy Williams. Jigsaw versus Fred Yehi. Matt Riddle, uh, Matt Riddle versus uh, Tony Nese. Uh, TJ Perkins uh, versus Darby Allen. That would be an interesting one. Maybe, I don't know, Darby Allen pulls out an upset there. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, then Ethan Page versus Dan Barry, your guy, Detective Dan. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> Lighten Detective Dan on fire, Joe. How do you like that? Ah, listen. You know I love me some Detective Dan Barry. <laughs> He's guy. listening. He's so mad now. I, look, I I don't know if he listens or not. All I know is it, he's you know he's one of those vanity searchers that can't help himself and he has to reply and then he sicks his followers on you and he just happens to have really annoying fans. It's like his fans annoy me more than he does. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh yeah, he's, I know. And I, I kind of think he's almost tongue in cheeky a little bit, but then he he kind of he's fine with his fans. Well, no, I think he kind of laughs about it, but I think at one point he also kind of like you said he puts his fans on you, and he's kind of like, ah, look at this guy being mean to me, and then all those people go nuts. You know, he kind of maybe laughs it off, but he doesn't I let think, his. You know, I think Detective Dan's a sensitive boy. I do. Think, okay. I do. I think he's a sensitive boy because you know, look, they all look, they all vanity search, all of them. But he's one of these guys where he'll vanity search. And then he can't resist the temptation to quote tweet something wise back, which is fine. But then you get all of his – and his fans just happen to be that annoying – They're ravenous. Yeah, I didn't know they were – I didn't know Detective it, Dan is It's not just that they're ravenous. It's that kind of fan. I'm not going to go any deeper. But it's that kind of fan. And then you got to deal with that for like two hours in your timeline, in your uh, mentions. But uh, yeah, so Detective Dan, yeah. You know, if, if WWE cleans out the indies, he'll be winning Bola next year. <laughs> that, that's the kind of Bola you're going to get. You guys are going to get your wish because you're going to get pretty Peter Avalon and Ray Rosas back and the hobo. And you're going to get Detective Dan uh, winning Bola. So, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for with uh, wanting your, uh, your local guys to get a shot and everything else. Because that's what you're going to be left with if everybody gets signed. All right, what do they got on the next night? Uh, Vault 69. So this is the next night. This is uh, Saturday or uh, Sunday. Or no, God, it's Saturday. But they No, is it Sunday? Why does it say Sunday? Is it Sunday? Does it say this Sunday, right? It is a Sunday. It's a Sunday. I thought it was Saturday. No, they're running the, the, 10th, the 9th, 10th and 11th, right? Oh, there you go. Okay, never mind. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Usually they run on Friday, so I thought they run on Friday here. I got everything mixed up. So man, my plans, I got nothing Sometimes going on tomorrow. They do. I was, yeah, but they're running. I was going to watch Evolve tomorrow night. I guess I got nothing going on they're, tomorrow. They're Jeez. running against the first NFL Sunday. Ooh, yeah, that's. Ugh. I mean, I know they okay. can't really well, think about. It. It's like you know, but it, that is going to affect them. Why aren't they running on Friday? I could have swore I thought they were running on Friday. Jeez, this I feel would like be it, a great time to run Friday instead of Sunday too. Yeah, this is the best thing. That's why I thought so. I was like, it was a no-brainer to run on Friday. Jeez, okay, I'm I'm way off. I got nothing going yeah, tomorrow. Anybody want to hang out? I got nothing going. I'm, I was, <laughs> this was I was sitting at home watching Evolve. I guess. I guess you're not. Um, my week, my day is over. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, they, maybe they couldn't get the building. I don't know. But. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. But anyway, so Sunday, September 11th. I thought their website just screwed up. Sunday, September 11th, Evolve 69. Uh, Freddie Ahai versus Travis Gordon. This is new talent test number four. So we got four of those, as you mentioned. Uh, Tracy Williams versus Chuck O'Neill, the former MMA fighter. Uh, new talent test number two. Ethan Page versus David Starr. He's another guy getting a, a talent test here. Uh, and then Tony Nese versus Darby Allen, who most people are familiar if you're watching Evolve. Also, um, uh, Dustin versus Drew Gulak, uh, Matt Riddell versus uh, TJ Perkins, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Ricochet, and then Johnny Gargano and Cody Rhodes versus Drew Galloway and Chris Hero, and that will be Johnny Gargano's farewell in that match. So he's teaming with Cody Rhodes on his way out. Yeah, they did that big angle at the end of the last set, so that, that makes sense. If you notice, Matt Riddle, ever since he basically got the shit kicked out of him by Timothy Thatcher... Um, uh, on the first show of the last set, he's been beating guys on the way out. He beat Tommy End, and he's probably going to beat uh, who's he got? TJP here? 
Uh, he's got TGP, yeah. Another guy on the way out. So they're kind of making sure, okay, he wasn't ready to beat Thatcher for the belt yet, but he, he's going to beat, you know, he's going to win these matches here and, and, and continue to show that he's a, a top guy. So that's classic Gabe booking right there. Do you think Darby Allen beats TJP on that first show? That's, I wonder that's that. That's an yeah, interesting I, one. That's ballsy. I mean, it, it would make sense. I mean, given that, it, but it's, it's, it's ballsy, you know what I mean? Like TJP's kind of built as a guy that that's a big deal there. So yeah, that'd be a huge win for Darby Allen if they do it. But what if they do, uh, let me ask you this: What yeah. if they do it, but they do the banana peel win? Are you okay with that? Uh, yeah, cocky, you know, Stokely's cocky, TJP's being cocky. He's he's beating him around like a cat beating around a dead dying mouse and alan wins with like a roll up or something would that bother you or would you be okay um you know i don't know if it would bother me just because he is still so new there and you know they can always tell the story too and i think that they did it perfectly and it's something that it's it's real it's not a made-up story is that you know they do those tryout camps or whatever those guys go there and then if one of the guys impresses them they'll put him on the show and that's where darby allen came from so i think you always have that underdog story with him so if it is a banana peel win uh, you know that's not a big deal for me i'm fine with that because that's sort of what they built with him so far is that he isn't like this dominant beast or whatever, that he's just a guy on a chance. that's kind of doing whatever he can and making the most of his, his moment. So yeah, if he gets a banana peel win, then they can talk about him building off that or whatever. And then, you know, then maybe next month he gets a, a definitive win. So no, if that's what you want to do, if you want to kind of protect TJP a little bit on the way out, I'm fine with that. That doesn't bother me too much. Yeah. Or protecting him going into the next night against riddle. Oh, uh, true. Yeah, of course. So is this the set of shows where Jason Kincaid debuts or no? I don't believe so. I think he's on the next the set after, after that. Okay. Then. Yeah. So they're not, you know, completely because they'll have some new names on those too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, again, that's another guy, sort of that next wave, a second level dude who isn't getting this, this, this huge bookings, but a name you see pop up from time to time. Uh, so yeah, that's what's going on with Evolve. Um, I'm looking forward to them bouncing back and having some big shows. Of course, the Gargano stuff is going to be uh, emotional and a lot of fun. And, uh, and and cool to watch. Uh, anything else grab your eye on these in particular? That's it. I mean, I, I think all around look like pretty decent shows, so I'll definitely be uh, be checking them out. And then, yeah, of course, I'll just have my fingers crossed that they kind of recover from that SummerSlam weekend. But uh, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I think they've been reliable almost all year. That seems like the one sort of dent on their entire year, which I think has been just a fantastic year from a, a great promotion all around. So I am hopeful that they're, they you know, deliver this weekend, and, and maybe they will, um, but I'll be watching regardless. They do so. such a better job with the tryout thing because you'll actually get on the show, you know, as opposed to Ring of Honor with their dark ma- national dark match opportunities, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> you know, you, you, you show up and you, you pay your hundred bucks for Brutal Bob to fucking do whatever it is he does with you, and then what do you get? You get on a dark match that nobody sees. And you know, you know who sees the dark match, Rich? Brutal Bob. No, the, the local fans who already know who you are. <laughs> yeah, right. The guys that are already well aware of who you are. Yeah, because you're a local. You're probably a local guy. You probably live around the area. So, yeah, they go, oh, yeah, I see you at my independent shows. And then you wrestle in front of them and go, okay. Yeah, all right, you bye. know, when they come to San Antonio, it's, uh, you know, when I go to the shows, I'm, uh, it, it's always local Texas guys that I already know. And then all the fans there already know. They're not. So you don't even get exposure in these dark. Who are you getting exposed to? I mean, these are guys we see in our local indies. And there's something I love about that. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things ever about when I went to old Ring of Honor shows and even you know when I go to independence that will bring up these guys. But old Ring of Honor used to be so good at it, and, and Dragon USA to an extent did it. And now I, I saw it during WrestleMania weekend with Evolve where Darby Allen came out and there was crickets. There was nobody, and everybody was just either looking or they're on their phone or they're asking, what did, they, what did he say? What's his name? Like That's one of my favorite things ever is when that guy comes out and you have no fucking clue who it is. 
Are you are you oddly intrigued by that as well? No, I am too. It's one of my it's, favorite it's, things it's, ever about old Ring of Honor shows. Is I would like then you have to like intently listen to the ring announcer and be like, all right, I think his name is like Derby Albin or something like that. So I'm like looking it up. I'm like, no, that's not like th- that's my favorite thing ever. Is try to figure out who the hell that guy is. That's one of my like especially live at a show too when you don't have the access of people on Twitter or, or whatever. When you're live at a show and just trying to figure out and there's like the the muffling of like, wait, well, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Like I don't know who that is. Like that I love especially, that. Especially in 2008 when we all had flip phones or whatever yeah, right then you really just had to like go home like i remember i would like i couldn't wait to go home and i would go on the ring of honor like forums and be like oh i hope somebody knows who it is and they're like hey who's that guy and like 10 results or oh, i think it's this and no that's not him and like i was like oh man and, like you have to wait almost until like a, a ring of honor put out their official uh, you know results till you knew who the hell that guy was i, I love that that was my favorite thing ever it's it's a lot like and, and you know so gabe has always been a guy to give give people a shot and it's a lot like, too, with these raw squashes now, where everyone goes right to Twitter to see who the hell knows who the jobbers are. It's a lot of fun. It's interesting. You know? So, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. But it, it's, it's, you know, if I was an indie wrestler trying to make a name, I'd, I'd go to the Evolve camp 100 times out of 100 over the Ring of Honor camp. Um, it just it, it seems to, to be a much better opportunity to make a name rather than work in a dark match in front of people who already know who you are. It makes no sense to me. And, and I guess it can work for you. I mean, I, I remember seeing um, Shane Taylor work a dark match in San Antonio probably two or three years ago. And, of course, he's there now with Keith Lee. They're a tag team. in Rim. But it took three years. And, I don't, and I'm not even sure that it, that dark match is why they signed him. You know what I mean? I, I, he lost to Jay Diesel in a dark match. And it's like, you know, it's like I can't name another guy that I've seen on a Ring of Honor dark match who then, you know, got a big opportunity to jump on the roster, at least not locally here on the San Antonio shows. I don't know about you, uh, you know, with the Chicago shows. I don't even know if you go to them anymore in the Sinclair era. But, uh, you know, but Evolve, we see it all the time. We just, yeah. saw, we just talked about Johnny Gargano. He became the biggest <laughs> star in the company. I thought this was funny. Um, I'm looking at AEW's card coming up, and then we'll move on to our next topic here. So they have a, an event coming up September uh, 16th next Friday, and I'm looking at the names that are in there, and it's it's you know your super indie guys. You got you know uh, Abyss is coming in, Sammy Callahan's coming in, Jeff Cobb, you know Chris Hero, Phoenix, Gulak, Josh Alexander. Uh, so here are the other names. Plus you know Air Fox, Jack Evans, Trevor Lee. These are guys that have been booking a while. Andrew Revit, Moose, uh, Jessica Havoc, uh, Dragon Azteca Jr., who is a cool one, uh, Congo Kong. And I found a name that was pretty funny because you mentioned oh there's that next wave that's going to come up. Prince Ali is booked for who? For AEW. So that's a guy who's been a local guy that's kind of built his name up in, in freelance and all that other stuff and in Dreamwave and, and in the Cruiserweight Classic and all that stuff. And now he gets an AW booking. Yep. Which, to my knowledge, is one of his first or at least the first he's had in quite a while uh, in AW. So. You also named a bunch of names that weren't on the show you just went to, which is interesting. Well, the show I went to was like a very slimmed down show because I think because they can't sell as many tickets to, to the Eagles Club. No, but I mean... It, what it, the point I'm getting at is it shows you that there's tons of people, there's tons of big names on the indie scene. Even oh, yeah, you know, no, I, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, guys like uh, Jack Evans, Aira Fox, Trevor Lee, Andrew Evett, Moose <laughs> were not on that Dragon show. S- you know, Congo Kong, Dragon Azteca. Yeah, I mean, like, Josh Alexander wasn't on that show. Um, did I say it was Gulak there? Yeah, no, Gulak was there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, so I mean, that, like that's still that's like, guys. yeah, that exactly. <laughs> that's just. You know, throw him in too. So you know, it just I I think the I don't think the indie well is is about to run dry at all. I really don't. So this is his last. Uh, I just look up. Uh, this is Mustafa Ali's uh, first AEW show since uh, October 2013. 
So I, that's go. yeah, that's almost three years. So um, this is a guy who who has been getting a push for freelance, who was on WWE sort of TV. He was on the network, and now the super indie sees value in him, and now he's getting booked. And this is what the super indie will continue to do with people as they build up their value. So I, I don't. I don't see an imminent end is near coming for this sort of system at all. Not, not. I don't. I don't see that imminently. No, I, I just don't. All right. So you want to move over to uh, New Japan? We got the destruction shows coming up. We have uh, kind of waited to to preview those, but I think uh, now is a pretty good time to do it. I would say so. All right, you're in. So let's do it. Uh, we got. Uh, September 12th is the first one. It's a Road to Destruction show. It's from Cork and Hall. Uh, that one will be on New Japan World, but just understand this is not part of the main Destruction shows, which we'll preview here in a little bit. This is simply just a Road 2 show, so keep that in mind when only, we kind of preview only this. Only talking about it because it's on New Japan World. Right. It's, it's a Cork and Hall show. They put all the Cork and shows. Let me tell you, we haven't so done... don't watch and get mad about it because it's just a Road 2 show and it's just on Cork and it just happens to be on New Japan World. Do not get mad about it. <laughs> like, we didn't do indie wrestling for a long time. People better appreciate that over one hour of indie talk. Yeah, I know. We, uh, we we always want to. It's always on our list. Like people don't know that we. Uh, I mentioned last week. We we're going to talk about. It. We always want to talk about it. But there's, there's just so much news going on in in main pro wrestling. Like when we first started the show, remember like when we we did a ton of indies because there was like nothing going on in WWE. It was just a barren wasteland of like you know just generic boring crap. Or like now that they're I mean they're nuts. They're crazy. New Japan's crazy. Like everyone's just crazy this year. So we don't have time to get to the indies. But yeah, we used to be a huge indie show. But we just it's just there's so much news going on elsewhere in the in the world. Of wrestling that we just never get to it so i'm glad we did that i really did enjoy that yeah there's a little something different to talk about for once um you know it's it's we we follow it we watch it it just uh, we can never squeeze it in but yeah this road to show uh we're not going to break down this whole card there's just a couple matches that i see that jump out at me and then maybe rich can do the same uh the main event is just a six-man typical throwaway six-man tag that new japan likes to do this will be the uh Really, I'm sure he's wrestling on some of the Road 2 shows that are happening uh, in the lead-up to this. But this will be like the big time – and he wrestled on the um, the Lionsgate show. But this will be sort of the big-time debut for Hanare, uh, the kid from New Zealand who wrestled on the Lionsgate show. And he's wrestling David Finley. Um, so Finley finally has some people he can beat up on and get some wins over with his new cheetah print tights, Rich. What do you think of David Finley's new – uh, I, I know he's getting all ballsy here. He's, he's becoming a new man. I don't know. He's got a little, you know, he's got that little beard that he's growing for a while, and now he's got the cheetah. I don't know. He, he, here's the thing with, with his cheetah print tights, okay? <laughs> Which he debuted at Lionsgate. I think this, what this, in a, you know, talking serious now, I think this represents sort of he's not really a young lion anymore, and I think that's what they're telling you. He's sort of like in that Juice Robinson, Cody Hall limbo sort of situation. Well, they let him kind of go a little bit, but not, you know. Yeah, they're not young spread lions. Spread your wings a little bit. Do something a little different. But don't go crazy. But just, you They're know, prelim guys is what they are. You know, they right. are their prelim guys. They're on the same level as Captain New Japan and Yoshitatsu is what they are. They're not, you know, so he's, this is, a, this is some progression for him. He's not a young lion anymore. He's not going to come out there in his black tights and lose every time. And he'll be beating these young lions now. He'll, he's going to beat Hanare. He'll beat the other kids if they ever get on these shows. Uh, so, but anyway, that match sticks out to me because it's sort of David Finley's coming out party as a as an actual roster member, and and the big time debut for for a Hanare. Um, and, and other than that, we've got a sing- singles match has always stand out to me. We've got Evil versus Juice Robinson. 
I think that can be a fun little mid-card match. Juice Robinson always seems to do well in his singles matches on the Lionsgate shows. I think he could have a good match with Evil. And then uh, there's two, there's a, there's three actually straight-up tag matches. The Destruction pay-per-views are loaded with tag matches. That's going to be a big theme for me as we talk about this. But how about this, Rich? I'm into this. And I know I'm the only person on Earth. Let's see if it's the same one. It might be the same one as me. We'll see. I am all in on this Captain New Japan and Yoshitatsu. Oh, uh, it wasn't the same. Versus one. Chase Owens and Yujiro. <laughs> you are, yes, you are the only person. I, I love me some lower mid-card tag teams. You know that. I, I, yeah. And I'm, in, I'm interested here because there's a flicker of hope. There's a flicker of hope that the captain and Tatsu can win this. Now, I don't think they will. But would it completely shock you? If Yoshitatsu locks the pedigree on Chase Owens, give me a percentage. Give me the percentage chance oh, that the captain and Tatsu can pull this one off. Because they're not they're um, not pinning Yujiro. We know that. That that's no. That yeah. Um. Forty-five. Wow. You think it's almost fifty-fifty? See, I was gonna go like ten percent and think that was heavy. I think there's a. This isn't a lock that they lose. You don't want to break that team up already. You want, to, you want this storyline to build, you know, so they get a little win, they get a little momentum, then it's like, all right, we're good, we're, we're all set, and then, then they lose it again, and then, you know, then Captain really blows it up, and he can't take this anyway. That, that's, you, you know, you got a little by little, right? a fellow captain. Maybe you could put a call in and see what's going Yeah, maybe I will, yeah. Um, Him and our buds now, so I could do that. See, we're working ourselves into a shoot. I mean, they're probably, they're definitely going to lose this match. Yeah. But do they continue this breakup story? Does Yoshitatsu go heel at some point? I think they're see. I don't know if that's actually a story. <laughs> it's just like well, they just listen, do it. It's like... not an important story. <laughs> they're just like doing it on their own, and nobody cares or notices. But isn't it, so, it's yeah, a reason to pay attention to this shit, though, at least. Uh, but what was the match you were looking at? Uh, the match I'm really looking at uh, that I love: uh, Red Dragon, of course, by Fish and Kyle O'Reilly versus Shibata and Tiger Mask. Because the only reason I say that is is my favorite Tiger Mask is a pissed off, angry, just jerkwad Tiger Mask, and you know goddamn well with these stupid little white boys in his ring, he is going to go nuts. With Shibata on his side too, he's going to be all hyped. You know, when you get Tiger Mask hyped up, he will fuck you up, right? Angry Tiger Mask is the only inter- like grumpy shooter Tiger Mask is the only interesting Tiger. Mask. And like Fish is going to piss him off, and he's just going to stretch him, and that's going to be the greatest thing. Ever, this is right? a grumpy shooter match, is what this is. Sabata's in this feud with Red Dragon uh, th- that they did need. They set it up in Ring of Honor, and it's setting up the big uh, never match later on in the tour. Um, and and you know obviously Tiger Mask is here to take the fall, but you're right that that, that should be a lot of fun in a shooty kind of way. They're going to kick each other's chests in. And they're and they're uh, going to do some grappling, and it should be a lot of fun. And then, you know that that great bash heel versus Nakanishi and Nagata match, that's like a like a mid card tag match. You know what I mean? Like it's it's that's it. it. I like matches like that better than these random six man and eight man matches. I don't know about you. I'll take these straight up tag matches and these singles matches any day over these eight and six man tags. So uh, I think that's an interesting one too. You know, obviously I expect Nakanishi to lose like he usually does. Uh, but but you know because Great Bash Heel, I mean they just lost that tag match to uh, to what uh, Ishii and Yoshihashi not too long ago, right? So which I thought was going to be a title eliminator, but turned out not to be. But uh, so anyway, that's some somewhat interesting stuff. The main event is Tanahashi, Kushida, and Elgin against uh, Los Ingobernables Japan. So uh, in this case, Bushi, Sonata, and Naito. So there you go. Mm-hmm. but that's just a little corking show. And then the uh, we got the three destruction shows that we'll get into in a little more detail. Yeah, so we start out uh, the 17th. This is uh, Destruction in Tokyo, um, and we'll, uh, we'll, go ma- we'll go match by match here. I'll carry on previewing in a little bit, but uh, the opener, David Finley and Hanara versus uh, Rapangi Vice. 
So uh, Hanara gets, uh, you know, his first little tag experience as well in a big sort of moment as well. Theme here, theme uh, here, theme here, and pay attention. Lots of straight up two versus two tags on, on all three of these shows. They, they're mm-hmm. really putting some effort into the tag the tag divisions in 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 a serious way here if you're if you pick yeah which is 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 in the lead up to world tag league is a good idea and as well to kind of get that ready so. look this is what we've been asking for right everyone complains about their tag divisions they're putting a lot of effort into the tag divisions on these three destruction shows so what i would ask people to do is give it a chance see how some of this stuff plays out Right, and for people that are asking, like the, the usual is just the six man, just lump everybody together and do that sort of thing. And this, like you're saying, they're doing the straight up tag versus you, you know two versus like, two. So that's next- that's the that's the note there. Is yeah. in case people are not really quite sure what you're, you're kind of getting at is that yeah, it's not these mishmash six mans that kind of fill up and the card. But no, those mean nothing. Right, these six and eight mans never mean a thing, even when they're like the main events. The, you know, these two versus two tags, especially on this tour where they're doing some different things with the tag division that we'll get to, they, they sort of mean something because teams are jockeying for position here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got, as I said, David Finley Minhara versus Rapongi Vice. Of course, we know who's going to take the fall there. A move on. Captain New Japan and Yoshitatsu, fresh off their uh, one-match win streak, will be taking on Nakanishi and Yuji Nagata, which they will almost certainly defeat them yet again to go uh, two matches in a row uh, with victory. So they have no chance. They have 0% chance they beat Nakanishi and Nagata, by the way. No, they're not uh, winning that match. You can... Bl- no. <laughs> that's, I, think, that's not I, I think we can blow off these six-man tags and skip those as well. Yeah, you don't... Nobody cares. The, the, they're fine. The big, theme, the big theme, though, is chaos versus Bullet Club. There's a mm-hmm. big chaos versus Bullet Club theme on all of these shows, and there's a ton of six-man tags where it's chaos opposite of Bullet Club. Yeah, uh, singles match, Juice Robinson versus Kyle O'Reilly uh, kind of gets lumped into this show as well. Uh, and then your two big uh, title matches, kind of the main events, are never open weight title. You have Shibata defending his title against Bobby Fish, and then Kushida defending the junior heavyweight title against Bushi as what we assume is the main event of the show. So big moment for uh, Kushida there in Tokyo <laughs> to, to, to main event with the junior title match. So that, that's, that's high praise there. The main, for, the, for, the main events on these three destruction shows are fascinating <laughs> to me. Giant balls. They're, they're, <laughs> These guys. Yeah. They're fascinating to me. Now, this, this, this first, this is the smallest of the three shows. This is in Ota Ward Gym in Tokyo. Okay, this isn't Sumo Hall. Okay, but still, they are clearly counting on Kushida versus Bushi and Shibata versus Bobby Fish to carry this show because Tanahashi's in a six-man tag. Okada's in a six-man tag. Naito's in a six-man tag. They're not even in featured singles matches or anything like that. They're buried in the upper mid-card in six-man tags. This show is going to live and die on – and primarily because even look at their opponents. It's really all about Shibata and Kushida, right? They're the ones expected to draw on this show. Do you disagree? No, I mean, yeah, that's absolutely what it is. And and especially Kushida is one that I look at and I go, oh, man, that's really like – that, that's a risk. I mean, it's a huge risk, and I'm glad they're doing it because that's the type of thing that a lot of people will, will get mad about is, hey, you know, take a risk and, and see if this guy can draw. If he sinks, then he sinks, but if he swims, then there you go. You got something here. So I, I like this idea of, you know, throwing to the wall. It's Shibata, who is a guy that they've, you know, kind of teased with a little bit, but this is his first big, like, what I would consider a real big moment where he's a, a big drawing part. And Kushida, of course, I mean, that's a, a, almost a mind-blowing idea that they're going with him on a normal show, not, you know, best of the Super Juniors, not a, you know, a tag, or, you know, any sort of, you know, junior tag or junior you know super j cup or whatever as like a legit new japan show main evented by kushida and shibata that that's that's really really high praise i'm glad they're doing it it's cool it, and it's i hope a good it's test successful. yeah yeah they've got no support it's sink or swim now shibata has headlined some 
bigger tour stops with the Never title this year. Mm-hmm. And this is what I always tell people about the Never title, who are people who are always complaining about the booking of the Never title. You have to understand that Never champion is expected to draw. Here is another good example. Okay, you can't just be willy nilly with that title. Oh, it's an open weight title. Give, you know, Jushin Liger. Well, that's a bad example because he's somewhat of a star. But you know what I mean. They just it's an important title because it is expected to draw three or four times a year. You need that champion to be able to on in a situation like this draw a crowd. You can't fuck around with the never title. I'm sorry, you can't. Uh, so I think people just get screwy with that because they think of like WWE secondary titles and how they just absolutely don't mean a thing. You can do whatever you want with the United States title. You can do whatever you want with the Intercontinental title. You can't with this Never title because here's a perfect example where Shibata and Kushida are going to be expected to draw in this spot. So, and 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 the the other main events for these shows are just as interesting as we move on to. Is it Hiroshima or is it Hiroshima, Rich? <laughs> we have this we have discussion this every, every single. single I actually I, I got nervous as I was typing this. I went, oh no, I don't know. And I said, we're going to have this discussion, aren't we? Again, and I feel like every time we tell people to tweet at us, people tweet at us. But the problem is, and, and this is always what comes up, is that we will get one person that goes, oh, it's Hiroshima. We'll go, okay, cool, it's Hiroshima. And then we get three people, no, it's Hiroshima. And then another person goes, no, it's Hiroshima. And then like those people can't agree. And it's like, all right, forget it. I don't know then. I don't Here's care. Here's my decree. I know he listens. This will this will be the week he doesn't. But I know he listens. I'm going with whatever Chris Charlton says. How about that? Okay. Maybe we'll just tweet at him. Maybe we'll just say here. I will do that actually on the no, show. No, no, no. Let's uh... see if he listens. Okay. I want to see if he listens. Right. He usually does, okay. but I want to see if he listens. He's pretty good. Yeah. And if good, he doesn't answer us, then we'll 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 try to catch. We'll disown him. We'll <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, if he doesn't answer us, we're blocking him. No. If he doesn't answer, him. <laughs> then we'll then we'll ask him on Twitter. But I, I'm curious because I, I okay. we'll go now. From this point forward, whatever he says, and I feel like he's answered this before, so he's probably annoyed. He has, and that's the problem is he definitely answered this last year. But we didn't – I don't know if we took his word as, 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 as we should have, which we will this year. He will officially determine what it is and what we call it forever. Absolutely. So. And I guess quickly, uh, we do think Shabbat – I guess we'd have JoJo too who writes for our site. He's actually living in Japan right now. <laughs> he might be a good option too. But. Excellent point. Him, him as well. But we have – but see, here's the problem. We're going to get two different answers again. So we, That's the problem. I, yeah, because they're going to come with and one of them – yeah. So hopefully they agree. But no, we're going Chris Charlton. I think that's official right now. Let's go with Charles. We're going author of Lions Pride. So you think – History of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Great book, by the way. He is officially our, our – our, when he says it, that's That's it. who we'll go with here. He decrees and that is it. We'll go with that forever. Uh, we didn't pick winners. You think Shibata's beating Bobby Fish, right? Uh, oh, yeah. And, yeah, and no you doubt. You think Kushida's beating Bush. And yeah, because she's being bushy again. But it was well. interesting. They did have you know fish beating Shibata here, and they, so they've set it up well. And they're using you know Ring of Honor and New Japan are sort of working hand in hand, I guess, with one hand being a little stronger than the other, uh, to <laughs> to set up few. So I look, people got on Ring of Honor. For, look, I, as a fan, I like that storylines carry over through both promotions. Are you into that? Because I like they're doing a little bit more of that too. And that's one thing that I've always said is is, is something you're going to really need to start doing because the appeal of which is shocking, but they've done it so much. The appeal of, okay, Okada's coming to Las Vegas. Like, that's not, I don't know if that's enough anymore. Like, I feel like that buzz is just lower and lower each time where it's like, all right, the stars of New Japan are coming. It's like, all right, cool. Like, we've seen them a lot, but now give us something different. Give us some some consequence to these events. Have some storyline integration. Have some reason to go to these shows and feel like you're not just going to see these guys, but actually going to watch an event that means something and has some meaning and and, and really could have ramifications online. And they're starting to do that now more than ever. So, I, yeah, I, I can't complain what's 
whatsoever because that entire last run of New Japan into um, that they had that most recent, you know, a, a few weeks ago, everything they did there, almost all of it had some sort of consequence as well, which is all I've been asking for. So I, I'm, I, yeah, I have no complaints all, with how they. All we want are matches time. with meaning, and now we're getting them instead of just come see the stars of New Japan. So I don't have right. any complaint either. Um, even you know, and in this case, some you know the Ring of Honor guys won some of them, so uh, that's good too. So Hiroshima and, and on nine twenty two again, we're going to skip the eight and six man tags. If we were doing one show, we'd go over everything, but we're going to stick to the stuff that we feel is relevant. There's a tag match here: Gorillas of Destiny versus Rapongi Vice. Now I look at this, and we all hate Gorillas of Destiny. We wish Tangaloa Tangaloa would go away, but why this is interesting is this is heavyweight team versus junior team. I think the finish of this match is significant. I don't know about you. I think Rapongi Vice is winning this match for two reasons. Number one, they've given up on Gorillas of Destiny because Gorillas of Destiny, obviously they deserve to be given up on because they didn't get over and they're a crappy team. I think they've given up on Gorillas of Destiny. That's reason number one. Reason number two, I think because the Briscoes-Bucks match is later in the show, I think what they're going to do is have a junior team beat a heavyweight team early into show early in the show to plant the seed and make you go now hold on a minute maybe the bucks have a chance here against the heavyweights yeah and that that's a big moment because again we the reason we wanted to talk about these shows a few weeks ago but kind of held off on it is because we mentioned you know after um the super j cup there was this idea of kind of the, the morphing of the teams a little bit the morphing of the divisions and we're seeing that a lot here and like you said this match as meaningless as it seems on paper could mean a lot because if Rapongi Vice wins, that really changes the game as far as, you know, that's something unheard of. That would never have happened before, but now it might. So that's a super interesting thing. So, yeah, it's a meaningless match on, on, a, on, on paper, but when you really break it down, I mean, it could be the ramifications of that match and what it could mean for how they're going to book tag teams going forward is huge. So it's, it's, it's not a match that I would take lightly because it's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Uh, here's a big deal. Cam Newton rolling around holding his, holding his leg on the sideline. Against the Uh-oh, that's not good. Yeah. This will be relevant for people who listen on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, so like, hey, he's fine. Yeah, he went in. and We were talking about that on the, the K&P show of um, – I don't want to – it's going to be a sports discussion, so I want to get into it. But like of like quarterbacks and like how there's just so few of those great quarterbacks anymore – where the guys were putting up huge numbers, but like, man, if you lose your quarterback, there is not that Vinny Testaverde waiting. You, you know what I mean? You always had those guys. Oh, Rich, I've been pounding that home for years. It, it, in the in, in the late, your Brian Greasy's, your Vinny Testaverde's, you had those guys ready sitting on a bench that you said, "Fuck, our guys hurt. It's okay. Randall Cunningham will come in, and he's going to be just as good." Doug Flutie, you can go right down yeah. the line. Guys that were competent enough to step in. Brad Johnson is a guy that was hung around forever, just being that guy. And that, that does not the backup quarterbacks now are you, half of these teams more than half of these, are just fucking. They are fucked. Look, look right, because if Cam Newton's hurt, give up your season. Like the, the Minnesota Vikings, effectively, their guys were throwing their helmets down, going, "Our season is over." Teddy Bridgewater's hurt, and Teddy Bridgewater's not even that good. But they were just like, "Well, fuck it, we're done." Teddy Bridgewater is, is, a, young, is a young player, but a guy who's <laughs> been firmly averaged to this point in his career. Right, and that's what you want. You, that's all you do. Yeah. Now, Derek Anderson. Like, if Cam Newton is actually hurt, then Derek Anderson becomes you, and then your, fuck your it, it's over, over, and it's done. And, yeah, burn all the jerseys. It's and look what the Vikings so. did. I mean. It, <laughs> it went nuts. Well, yeah, the thing is, their, crazy. Their, op, their next option was Sean Hill, which, as you know, your season's over. So they traded a first round pick. <laughs> they went nuts. They went they, insane. Rich, they traded a first round pick for Sam Bradford. <laughs> right. Who's, and you can attest to the uh, the prowess of Sam Bradford. To the complete so and utter averageness of Sam Bradford. If you're lucky, he's average. He he's the definite check down Sam. 
I mean, that was his nickname in St. Louis. I mean, the guy didn't want to throw the ball more than 10 yards. You know, he's just these, and they, they, they gave up a first round pick for him for exactly the reason you're saying. The backup quarterback situation in his league is an utter disaster. You know why? With the salary cap now, you can't, you can't waste big money on a backup quarterback. It has to be some kid that you drafted in the fifth round that you're paying the league minimum for the first three or four years of his career. So that, that's the reason for it. Nobody wanted to hear that. No, exactly. Sorry. But I, I want to talk to you about that. So there we go. So I could have just texted you or talked to you after the show. But, you know, it's fine. Okay, move on. Hey, there was a great article on The Ringer about – Oh, the age of uh, the did NFL. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I read it. It, it was really it good. gave real good insight on why the quality of play is such shit for kind of what we just talked about. Teams stocking up on younger players, cutting expensive veterans to, you know, to, to get under the cap. And you know, that's why the quality of play in the NFL has been such dog shit the last four or five years. But anyway, uh, Destruction in Hiroshima. The next tag yes. match here I want to talk about. We got Goto and Ishii. That's a hell of a team, man. Uh, and they're taking on Chase Owens and Yujiro again. This is that. Do I have to give you percentages of who's winning that one? Because uh, You're going a hundred, I bet. I I am yes. So that's more of this chaos versus the uh, Chase. Chase is really going to pull that back. <laughs> Chase clean pin on uh, Hiroki Goto just. Uh, you know, come on! I, I want Goto to just fail miserably all across the board, and then you know, then he can build back up. But not Chase joking. Owens, the best of the Super Junior spoiler. <laughs> Listen, he kills it in the tournament he, at both years. He does. You know, and he just hits you with that package pile driver and makes you rip up your bracket, baby. That's what Chase Owens does, but he does nothing the rest of the year. So uh, that's more chaos versus Bullet Club. Uh, then we've got another eight man tag: Hiroshi Tanahashi firmly in the mid card. Another big theme on this on this tour: Hiroshi Tanahashi firmly in the mid card on this entire tour. Right, and when we say the main event of this, you will understand how important that is, considering who is in the main and that's event. That's exactly here, what so. I'm setting up. So, uh, yeah, but he's in an eight-man tag, and then we've got, of course, the match we kind of talked about: Briscoe's defending against the Bucks. Uh, I'll go first. My feel on this: I think Rapongi Vice is beating Gorillas of Destinies for the reasons I already laid out to to plant the seed that the Bucks are a serious threat to beat the Briscoes. I think this is going to be a great match. I think the 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 Briscoes always work hard. I'm so glad they finally have good opponents to work with in New Japan because they always get shit opponents, and they, you know, and that that drags their matches down. I think the Bucks are going to be out to prove something here. I th- Absolutely, I do too. I think they're going to be excited about working. That, that Jacob promo was more of a. It, it felt like a. Hey, we're going to kind of start taking this thing a little bit more serious now. You know, we've been fucking around because you've just been giving us the same matches over and over and over again. But you know, now now we're changing up a little bit. No, I, I'm right with you. I, I am looking to the Bucks to really just surprise a lot of people here and get serious in a lot of ways, too, which is good. They need that. Yeah, and I think they'll have a great match with the Briscoes. I think the Briscoes will retain. I wouldn't be shocked at a title change. I want to see a title change because then I want to see what they do with the junior titles. Yeah, what, what, is your, what do you think? I think the Briscoes will win. Okay, so the Briscoes win. But then, yeah, what, what do you do with those? So if the Bucks win, what I'm saying is I'd like to see the Bucks win because then I'm intrigued about do they have them vacate the junior titles? Do they have them hold both titles? Mm-hmm. Do they eliminate the junior titles, which I don't think they'll do, and I don't want them to do. I, a lot of people want the junior titles just eliminated. Because, but see, here's my thing. Even though the junior tag division hasn't been great, but I think that's more on the booking than the talent. Right, and it could be good. I mean, yeah, we talk about it as one of the most talented tag, you know, junior divisions it ever. Yeah, you most, got all the talent there. It is the yeah. most talented junior tag division in the world right now, and maybe ever. The booking has been terrible. The teams are great, 
and here's the thing. Even if the teams were bad, even if it was a shallow pool, which I hear people make that argument and they're nuts. There's nothing shallow about that tag. Those people are crazy. But even if the, 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 the pool of teams, that's cyclical anyway. I'm not a big fan of tossing titles in the trash because things are bad for whatever reason right now. Things can get better later. So I'm hoping if the Bucks win – that eliminating the junior titles is not something that they're planning on doing. I, I, I wouldn't do that. I'd rather see them either vacate or hold both sets of titles. Where do you stand on that? Uh, I'm with you as well. Yeah, because I, 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 and I've been a proponent for a long time of sort of mixing. What they're doing right now is exactly what I wanted to do, is mixing the tag divisions, letting it not necessarily in the sense that, yeah, I want, all, I want only one title and I want them to just be in this giant mishmash or whatever, but the fact that a junior team can go for the, the tag titles, can win the tag titles. Like, I like that idea. I still think there's value to having the junior heavyweight title, and I do want them to still keep that, because that was kind of an argument that I, I think we, you and I had on, on Twitter a few months back when I said I, w- I would like the divisions to sort of interact a little bit more. I didn't mean that I didn't want both titles, because I think there is value to having that junior title. I think there's value in building that division and making it something special, but I do also think there's tremendous value in allowing a team like the Bucks to move up in this thing. And if they lose, and the Briscoes then are still the champion, then that's fine. Then you can then the Briscoes maybe face another you know heavyweight team later. But the fact that you open that up and you allow that that team and that you allow uh, a Seidel and a Ricochet to go for those titles at one point, or you allow you know a Rapungi Vice to get a shot, that just opens up so many possibilities because the main tag division was so you know just so dry for so long that it's just Bingo. it's just something special. It just lets you get a little bit more, it's just something different there, and that's all I really wanted out of it. This does more for the heavyweight division than the junior division, hundred percent. Right? Because Absolutely. it's the heavyweight division. Look, the juniors are fine. They, I mean, the matches are boring, just, but whatever. The like, booking yeah. was boring. The booking, yeah, the book, yeah, yeah, the booking right, right. was repetitive and boring, and, and it wasn't lighting anyone. But the matches were fine. Okay, I always enjoyed the matches on some level. They were either great or they were at, at minimum good. You know what I mean? It was just the same fucking three ways over and over and over. It's the heavyweight division that has sucked horribly for so long it really started when KES wrestled Tenkoji 19 shows in a row and it has never recovered from there and and that this is really injecting more life into the heavyweight scene it's doing way more for the heavyweight scene than the junior scene but it is helping both and you're right because it gives you all sorts of fresh matchups that you can go to now maybe Rapongi Vice beats the former champions Grill of Destiny and then they get the next shot against the Briscoes right maybe you do something like that with the yeah. being that they beat the former champions that's another reason that they could win uh so yeah so it's it's a lot look it's a very intriguing match it'll be more intriguing if the bucks win so we can see what they plan on doing with these junior titles but i do think the briscoes will win and then let's see we've got adam cole defending the ring of honor title against willow spray so obviously willow spray's going down again and rich one thing i want to say is other than winning the best of the Super Juniors, and I think last week I said he won Super J-Cup uh, by accident, but nobody called me out on it, so we're going to uh, pretend that never happened. I'm calling <laughs> myself out here. But uh, yeah, other than winning best of the Super Juniors, if you look at Will Ospreay's booking in New Japan, people seem to think he's getting this like to-the-moon push. It simply isn't true. Um, he loses far more than he wins, 
when he's in the big spot, he's going to lose this match. I think that's, I mean, you agree with me, right? He's not. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, yeah, there, there's no. He's obviously not winning the uh, Ring of Honor uh, heavyweight title from Adam Cole. I mean, this is Adam Cole's introduction to New Japan on top of everything. That'd be, that'd be shocking. That'd be <laughs> very interesting. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But I mean, other than that, I mean, first of all, it's not like he set the world on fire at Best of Super Juniors. He lost his first three matches. I think he went like four and three before he won the final. Kushida, mm-hmm. Kushida beats the guy like a drum, okay? He didn't even get past the second round of the Super J Cup. Matt Seidel beat him in the second, in a match that we said was a lot. I hope no one bet their mortgage on that because we told people to do so. <laughs> okay? He, so he lost to Matt Seidel. We haven't gotten any tweets yet or of people showing us their, uh, you know, them, you know, locking their house or, you know, stealing the copper wire out of their foreclosed home. So I guess we're OK for now. But yeah. So, I mean, he went nowhere in the Super <laughs> So Sorry if you did. Sorry. <laughs> went nowhere in that tournament. Loses the Matt Seidel. Lo- and you're the old gambler. Like, at least I, I'm an idiot. I would never listen to me. But you're the old gambler. You, you got to be better I, I'm about I'm telling that. you, I, I, I feel so bad. He lost to Kushida beats him every time they get in the ring together. Look to some of the people he lost in Best Super He lost to Chase Owens. He lost to Bar- Retta, which actually that one you can understand because it's a senior member of Chaos. You know how Japan is with that kind of stuff. But why? I mean, he lost to Chase Owens and Tiger Mask, for God's sake. So, the, you know, let's not pretend that Will Ospreay is getting this mega push. He's definitely not. Look, I, do I think they're going to push him at some point? Clearly. Obviously, those Kushida losses are setting up his victory over Kushida down the road. But they know they've got him for another year and a half, and they're in no hurry to push this guy, and they're setting him up for another big time loss here. We talked about that, and and I think there was a show we had a few months ago where we were telling people just just calm down because a lot of the like the trepidation and all the complaints were like, oh, he's definitely being Kushida winning the title here just because he, he's going to, and it's like we, remember I, I remember us at the time saying just chill, he hasn't won it yet, like maybe not, like maybe he because he came in and he won a first you know a, a, a couple of the first few matches and then he immediately had the title shot against Kushida. And people were like, oh, it's over, they're just gonna you know, and it was like just just actually his, deb- his debut was the Kushida. He hadn't even stepped in the ring yet. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he had. <laughs> I remember that. We were like, just just calm down. Oh, because they made a big deal about his debts, right? So we made a big deal about his debut. So people were freaking out that, oh, they're going to push him to the moon and all. And we were just like, just, it's okay. Like, it just, and it's been that way. They've, you know, they've done some stuff with him and he's been, you know, uh, a featured guy in some parts. But now you're starting to get that cool period where it's just like, all right, now he's just a guy on the roster. And now just, just calm down. He's going to work his way up. And yeah, like you're saying, it's inevitable that he is going to be Kushida and it'll be a huge moment when he does. But yeah, it was, the, the, the freak out was all about stuff that hadn't happened yet and not stuff that was, you know, it wasn't rooted in any reality. It was rooted in just pure speculation of what was going to happen. Another it, Gaijin's it, coming in to destroy my New Japan. I mean, relax. Okay, it, it hasn't been what happened. They planted seeds. The Kushida losses and winning best of the Super winning best of Super Juniors was their way of. Could you imagine if he hadn't have won that tournament? He'd have nothing going for him. No, he really wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> he'd, <be> nothing, <laughs> he'd have yeah. nothing except you know what he had that one elimination match in Corkin where he was the lone survivor. That'd be the and, and look, you don't even remember it, so it couldn't have made that big of an impression on people. But uh, you know, other than that, he's had nothing really going for him. And the, the but that was the, that was the statement win. He won the tournament, uh, the best Super Juniors, and now he you know he'll he's he'll lose another big match here. But his push will come. I would suspect it'll probably start around the first the turn of the calendar, right? Because they got to start pushing him at some point. Uh, you want to get stuck? Because I I doubt he resigns at the end of his two year deal. 
Uh, oh no, maybe because no, no, no. he's, he's he's a WWE. I mean, come on, is you know he, he won't be a kid anymore. And for all the reasons that we said it was smart to sign with New Japan, now it'll be smart to sign with WWE the next time that opportunity comes around. From the Adam Cole perspective, I just hope that his Ring of Honor world title matches are better than Jay Lethal's were in this company because Jay Lethal oh. was very disappointing in New Japan. I hope he never comes back. Um, and and you know, I think look if you if you're setting up a guy to have a great match. In your in your New Japan debut, is there a better guy to set him up with than Willow Spray? So uh, this is a big opportunity for Cole, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, this this at least from a global standpoint, in, in terms of just yeah, I mean, there's so much that he can do here if he just kills it and, like you said, has a great match and doesn't have a Jay Lethal Ring of Honor match. I mean, that's going to do a lot for Adam Cole just in terms of how people look at him and how. Uh, I mean, I can see from Ring of Honor's perspective, two of them saying, hey, look, you know, this is a guy like you go out there and you kill it like you're really going to I mean, people are going to have a different idea of what that Ring of Honor title is meant because for a while there's been kind of a malaise with that Ring of Honor title and a malaise in Ring of Honor in general. And we, we've been talking about it on, sh- on all of our recent shows is that more and more we're starting to see some signs here. We're starting to see, OK, you know, we talked about just, you know, booking the New Japan talent better, signing, you know, better guys, getting in their teeth into the European scene. A, little, a lot of stuff in Ring of Honor is starting to kind of look pretty good. So this would be a great moment for him to go out there kill it have a great match and it be like all right cool like ring of honor is is a thing again because it's it there's been a malaise there for a while and it's undeniable for a lot of people that that's just been the ring of honor thing for a couple years it's just it's just been there and and it's it'll be really nice this is a big moment of kind of a change in the guard for ring of honor so yeah if adam cole goes out there and kills it which he absolutely should with will osprey i I see no reason why not it'll be a big moment for a lot of people but yeah for anything it just sets off the the title reign of adam cole and puts it on a different path and a different level than, than what jay lethal did in New Japan, but I think there's ramifications that, that are bigger than just what happens in Japan. I think that the perception of Ring of Honor to a lot of people can it can really change and really be helped by it being an awesome match. So, hello, I'm sorry, I was on mute, Rich, and I did not unmute myself. You're good, no worries, you're fine. I have an update on Cody Rhodes versus Chris Hero. Oh, good. Uh, the main event of the VIP show tonight in Texas. Big for booking purposes, right? To see how Cody Rhodes is being booked here. Mm-hmm. Cody beats Hero clean with the crossroads. Yep. So Cody wins another <laughs> indie match. Cody Rhodes, if you're keeping track. He's very talented. This man is a great wrestler. I will say that. He is. He's yet to lose <laughs> clean in the middle. Which I'm not saying, Rich. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh-oh. He, Reddit's going to report this as Joe Lanza says. Cody's indie record tells him he's going back to WWE. That's... I, listen, Cody R on the PWG. Cody R. <laughs> Cody R. Now why, why not Cody? Like of all the names, Cody R. Why is he now? Hold on now. Why is he Cody R on a DVD for PW? But he's Cody Rhodes and Evolve, which has an affiliation with who? Rich. Mm, okay. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just <laughs> saying. Okay. I promise I'd back off, and I will. But uh, yeah, so we've got a guy at the show. Uh, the real CH3 on Twitter. I've, you know, he tweets at us all the time. I met, yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him in Dallas. He actually sat a couple seats over at one of the Evolve shows. And in between us, we had a guy who had um, a couple teenagers with him and, and, a, and, a, and a handicapped boy with him. And the, the guy started beating the handicapped boy, like in the middle of the show. Like, I'm not laughing because it was funny. It was just Jeez. absurd. And like, we're like, he, not beating him, but like, being very aggressive, I guess, would be the way to say it. It was very uncomfortable for everybody. And I remember this guy. Um, I can't remember his first name. I'm, I apologize. I know he listens too. Um, but uh, I remember him like tweeting at me from two seats away. Like, did you just see that? 
And, I was, and it was just very uncomfortable. But this is the dude who's at the VIP show tonight. And I retweeted the uh, information. It says, uh, Crary Ma- uh, Crazy Mary Dobson came out to attack Brandy Rhodes. So they're oh, no. starting a Crazy Mary <laughs> Dobson Brandy Rhodes feud. Cody wins with the crossroads. Uh, he said it was a fun match. Both guys seemed a lot looser than they did at Evolve. So there you go. That's the report from VIP, which I may or may not be attending tomorrow night. Uh, back to this New Japan show. Where did I leave off? The Ring of Honor match? Yeah, so I'd like, uh, you were, yeah, Ring of Honor match, I'd yeah. like to see Cole win clean in the middle with no shenanigans. You agree there, too? No Bullet Club bullshit? Uh, yeah, no, just just let it be. A, yeah, I, I think that would be important as well. I think that, uh, you know, I was saying that that match, I mean, and, and making it something that's that's gets people, you know, invested in, in Ring of Honor again, the best thing ever would just be Cole just winning. I mean, yeah, you can have the Bullet Club guys there, and you can have them do stuff, but... Just winning clean would do so much because that's the antithesis of what that Jay Lethal run was. So, yes, I really, really just hope they just do that, but we'll see. Yeah, so uh, then we've got Bad Luck Fale against Kazuchika Okada. Now, the deal here is if they're doing – New Japan's doing a deal in New Zealand in a couple months. I don't know if they're all out New Japan shows, but there's going to be a lot of New Japan talent on them. I understand they're for charity as well, some sort of charity. I don't know all the details. But the the idea here is if Bad Luck Fale defeats Okada here, he gets an IWGP heavyweight title shot in New Zealand. So Fale is winning this match. My question to you, Rich, a lot of people have a problem with this because they're saying Fale already beat Okada in the G1. This should be the title match. Why does he have to win again? Well, how do you feel about that? Um, hmm. They're not wrong, but... That's interesting. Yeah, they're, you're, they're not entirely wrong, but I guess, I guess you could make the argument. No, you know what? They're they're pretty right. I, I would have probably made this the title match, but I I see why it's not because you want to build up to that other match. But yeah, there is a little bit of a disconnect there because often it is if you beat me in the G one, you do get a title shot. I guess you could say that Folly wasn't on that level, but you know what I mean. Like it's not like it's just a random guy. It's Folly who does beat these guys and who who is considered a you know a big deal and is protected or whatever. So I don't. Yeah, if it was just a rando guy that that maybe they could say, oh, you just got lucky and that's why you beat me. I could see them not doing the title shot, but I'm kind of with those people. I think that that's a little weird. The problem here, and I think the only reason this isn't a title shot is because they're doing Folly versus Okada in New Zealand, and obviously, exactly. Yeah, they just Folly is from there. It's going to be a big deal. I think those shows are for charity. I'm not positive. Could you have just booked that then? Couldn't that just have been the the title match then instead of having this instead of having this match too? Yeah, I think what what I think they're doing here is giving a story to lead into the New Zealand match. Whereas if you make this one a title shot Mm -hmm. and just have Okada beat Fale here, okay, then you, then what's the point of the rematch? What's the what's the meat behind the rematch in New Zealand? And I think what they wanted to do was give Bad Luck Folly a title match in New Zealand to sort of prop that card up and draw as many people as possible. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, so I can kind of see the argument both ways. I think the only reason this one is the setup for the title match instead of the title match is because they happen to be doing that deal in New Zealand. So I don't, it, from that perspective, it doesn't really bother me. They want the match in New Zealand to be the important match between the two because they want that show to draw. Uh, for whether it's because it's a charity show or it's New Japan making inroads in New Zealand, which, by the way, this Hanare kid is from New Zealand. Um, Jay White is from New Zealand. There's clearly some inroads. That, bad Luck Folly is a New Zealand guy. So they've gotten three different pieces of talent from New Zealand. They're going to have some shows in New Zealand. They've got a footprint in New Zealand. 
So I think uh, the natural main event to do in New Zealand is Fale Okada, and maybe they just wanted to save their bigger match there. So then they're just doing this little pitch. I get it. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you kind of have to make a leap there. But it, it, I mean, it, to me, it's not the biggest deal in the world. But I, I see those people's argument. Though. I do. Um, it's not unfounded. It, it, they're, they, they're, they're, they're not wrong. I get it. And the other thing, though, is not everyone who wins a match at G1 gets a title shot historically. I mean, I didn't look them up, but I know that there's a few where they don't. But look, I understand it. I just don't think it's a big deal. I wanted to get your take on it. And then the main event. We talk about interesting main events. This is uh, Hiroshima. Rich, if I would have told you, let's say on (laughs) January 2nd, before any of the news came out of the jumps, which I think that broke on the third, right? Or the fourth, or yeah, it broke on the fourth actually, because it all came. But yeah, right. If I would have told you on January second that, no, I'll give you a better one. If I would have told you on January fifth, the after- yeah, I was going to say you could probably ask if I on July fifth you could have asked, uh, and I the, probably would have the, the same the answer. The afternoon of January fifth, and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. After we knew of the departures, and panic sort of set in in a lot of places. But before the Kenny Omega angle with AJ Styles and Nakamura, if I would have told you in that little 24-hour period between knowing people were leaving and before Omega was elevated that one of the destruction shows was going to be headlined by Kenny Omega versus Yoshihashi, would you have thought that New Japan was completely falling apart in the year 2016? Yeah, I would have thought that Okada went to WWE and that like half the roster broke off to create their own promotion. Like they were so pissed off because Gato blew his gasket and screamed at everybody, and then everybody just left and created their own promotion. Is what I would assume. Or that yeah, they're on their dying days and like, oh my god, what are they doing? And and everybody left, and it's just a train wreck. I mean, take- there's no way that I would say yes. They've had a healthy, great G1 and a great <laughs> summer, and they've sustained everything. But Yoshiashi is still in the main event. Against Kenny Omega. This is almost surreal. Like, Yoshi, I, like, it, it's hard. You have to look at it. And I almost forgot. Like, I, I knew it was – so as I'm copying pasting this thing, I looked at it and I went, ah, this thing's not in order. I said, no way. You know, <laughs> Yoshihashi and Kenny Omega is above Fale and Okada. And I had to look and I look and I look and I went, you know, I remember that. It is. Like, it, 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 there's a disconnect here where my brain cannot just handle that Yoshihashi is in the main event. And it's not ridiculous either. This it is it doesn't it's not ridiculous it's a it's a viable main event I'm curious to see how it now it has support you can't do a match like this with no support so it has the big Okada Fale match underneath with a title shot at stake but Rich these main events on these shows are so ambitious I mean you've got Kushida Bushi and Shibata Fish counted on the draw on the previous show and on this one the main event is Kenny Omega Yoshihashi. They could have very easily, and the reason I sort of set up the previous conversation was to feed into this one, they could have very easily done the Fale Okada title match here, and that would have been very safe, and they could have made that the main event, and this match could have been the semi-main event. They could have easily done that, and they chose not to. They said, nah, you know what? Fuck it. We'll save that for New Zealand because we're going to headline with Yoshihashi. Think about that for a second. (laughs) That is having some confidence in your booking, and not only that. You know, for people, and I'm gonna, I'm getting on this fucking horse again until somebody knocks me off of it, Rich. Because for all the people who say Gato doesn't know how to create stars, in nine fucking months, in nine months, he turned Kenny Omega versus Yoshihashi, Kenny Omega versus Yoshihashi, <laughs> into a main event of a major show, and no one's thinking twice about it. 
Keep telling me this guy can't create stars because you're not paying attention. Look at this main event. And they very easily could have done Okada Fale. It's nuts. Yeah, I mean, like, and that's why I made the joke that you could have told me on July 5th. Is that still your and, and it like because you mentioned about the, the the Yoshihashi thing? I mean, that's that's a two month, you know, in two months they You're made right, that. That guy. wasn't even it was nine months for Omega. It was a fucking sixty days for Yoshihashi. That, yeah, and like that is yeah, that's ridiculous. Like that's nuts. Like yeah, you saw some inroads a little bit last year at the G One where you know he, he he faced Elgin. You saw a little bit of a breakup, but he was still Yoshihashi. I mean, he was still Yoshihashi for most of this year even, and it really just was these last few months where, we, you know, we posted this article. Uh, Andrew Rich wrote a great article about Yoshihashi and kind of the rise of him, and I posted it on, um, uh, like, a Facebook group of, of, you know, Japanese wrestling fans, and everybody went, oh, my God, I hate Yoshihashi. Oh, he sucks or whatever. And I said, have you seen any of his work the last two months? And they, oh, no, I'm behind. And I went, oh, well, you need to go watch that because, like, people that have uh, – say you didn't watch the G1. Say that you – whatever reason, you got overwhelmed, summer came, you were busy – those people don't know that Yoshihashi is like a thing now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was that quick. Like we we can't even say that it was a year. We can't even say it was nine months. It was like in two months he made that guy a bona fide. You, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say a star because he's, he's, he's not a, he's a star, player. but he's a player. Yeah, exactly. He's in that mix, which is insane because it's Yoshi fucking Hashi. And you know what was a big moment for him too? scoring that submission fall over Sonata in that tag match where he was teaming with Ishii. And I remember Ishii. I think it was Sonata, wasn't it? It was it was over a Los Angobernobles team. And he had that submission hold on. Yeah, it was Sonata. It was definitely Sonata. Because that feud is kind of on hold. And Bushi came in to make the save. And Ishii came in with that choke on Bushi, remember? And the crowd exploded. Because no one, everyone in the world expected Bushi to break up that pin. Because it was Yoshihashi. And it was Sonata. Who would have thought? And, and here comes Ishii to save his buddy. And get Bushi out of the fucking picture and Sonata taps. To me, that was the key Yoshihashi moment. And then that sort of bled right into the, the great G1 that he had. So, yeah. I mean, geez, the guts to main event. Now, listen, it's got to draw. It has to, it, it has to produce now to say that it was a good, to, to say that all this is working. But just to simply to have the balls to do a main event about this. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and you know, and, and the theme continues right on through with the Kobe show. All three of these shows, I think, have very ambitious top ends of the card. So let's do Kobe 925. Again, we're just going to do the tags and the singles. In this case, there's a six man that we will talk about because it's for the titles. But we've got Captain New Japan and Yoshitatsu against Chase Owens and Yujiro again. <laughs> hey, rematch. Here's the rematch. So this is why I say the first one, that's why I think. They could win. They could because win. then Yujiro can get his heat back in Kobe, right? Or am I really just working myself into a shoot? You're probably working yourself into a shoot, but it, it could happen. Is it totally unreasonable, though? Uh, it's not totally unreasonable. I don't know if anybody has put any amount of thought into it. Other but, than, you know, listen, yeah. I like my undercard tag teams. Like, Kojima beating Jay Lethal, that was completely unreasonable. I don't know if this is completely unreasonable. I think they can trade wins here. I don't know, man. I'm not putting high, heavy odds on it, but we'll see. Uh, how about this match, Rich? Red Dragon. Versus Katsuyori Shibata and Yuji Nagata. All in. How great. That's going to be awesome. Now, this will be after Shibata Fish. So, you know, that kind of takes the edge off a little. Yes or no? 
Mm, yeah, but I guess seeing Nagata get in the ring with those guys. Yeah, so I guess if this was the day before that match, then maybe because then you really get the heated, you know, tussles with those two. But yeah, it's still going to be pretty awesome, though. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, those two guys are so good that I have no doubt that it's still going to be pretty good, both those teams. But no, I, I agree. If it was the night before and then this was the title match on this show and, you know, in that Yokohama or the, the Hiroshima, rather, if the, if that if this tag match was on that, I could see a little bit more, but no, I'm still, I'm still excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're getting the Bobby fish Shibata stuff when red dragon faces Shibata and tiger mask. So you're kind of getting that in that tag instead. So, but yeah, this, this should be a great match. And again, it's a, it's a junior team versus a heavyweight team. Again, that's been a a theme here as well. Um, never open weight, six man, our favorite six man trio. (laughs) I love them. What do they talk about? I I don't know. I want to know. Seidel ricochet and Satoshi Kojima. (laughs) <laughs> who have the oddest chemistry together. I mean, it's just bizarre. Because they don't talk. That's my thing. They don't know how to talk. They, you know, they just get in the ring and they do their thing and then they're out and they're like, all right, see you. See you next week. Like, see you next month. Bye. And they just go their separate ways and they go to different rooms and they don't hang out. But, you know, that's... Unfortunately, this could be the end for them because they're defending oh. against Adam Cole and the no, Young No, well, what do you, <laughs> no. Well, what do you think? No, it's over. They're done. I mean, this title it's, changes hands when the wind blows. It's, there's no way that they live through this with the title. But Because here's the thing, especially if the Bucks lose to the Briscoes, because do you want to beat the Bucks twice in a row in big time matches no, like that? I, and do you want to no. beat Adam Cole this quickly too? So that's the thing. Now, if I'm New Japan or if I'm Ring of Honor, I, rather I say, yeah, no, no, Adam Cole's not losing. So, how about if the Bucks win the IWGP Heavyweight that, titles? Because then do you have them win all? Do you have the Bucks have all three titles and be super cocky about it? That's that's a good story too. Because I, I still I, there's I I see a zero percent chance that Seidel and Ricochet I shouldn't say zero because someone's gonna again bet their house on it which I, I don't know who's taking odds on never open with six man title matches but um yeah I, I would put it at a nearly zero percent chance that Seidel Ricochet and Kojima win right like I I, I can't fathom I, that I think so I think it's a good way to to give Cole two really good wins on the tour yeah but I do I do like your idea of the Bucks just like swimming in tag titles that's kind of cool the Bucks running around with what seven titles. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fascinating story. Eight, eight Cole would have the, the, the ring. Yeah, right. Yeah, so the entire team would just drop them all into a big pile, and then yeah, you got Omega too. So yeah, it's just a mess of titles. Yeah, that's Bucks could have the Ring of Honor, all kinds of Ring of Honor tag titles by then too, whether it's trios or tag. So they're, they they could be running around with like fifteen title belts. I mean, that would be a good way to just to enhance their cockiness and everything else. So uh, uh, maybe a clue into the booking is the Briscoes are in an eight-man tag on this show, teaming with Goto and Ishii against a Bullet Club team. I can't really read into it. I don't know. I think there's a lot of mystery over who's going to win You know, uh, that, that, that tag match. I don't know. But I do <laughs> think the Bullet Club, they will win the open weight six-man titles, I think. Um, let's see. Then we've got a, the eight man tag. We got a, another six man tag with Tanahashi. Tanahashi is in nothing meaningful on any of these shows, which sort of feeds into. And then there's a, the semi main event is an eight man tag with Gato, Jado, Okada, and Yoshihashi against uh, a a um, a team of Noah wrestlers. We've got Marafuji and Yano, and then uh, Kotoge and Harada. Now. The meaning here, we've got Gato and Jado are the next challengers for Kotoge and Harada's GHC junior titles, and Marafuji is getting the King of Pro Wrestling title shot 
against Okada. So that's where this eight man comes in, and that's why I'm bringing this one up as opposed to all the other eight and six mans. What do you think? Yeah, that, that one's got a lot of ramifications. Yeah, I, I'm looking way forward to it just because it's different. There's new guys in there. You got Katoga and Harada, you know, mixing up in New Japan and in, you know, the summer main event, which is really cool. And then, of course, you got Marafuji and Okada sort of building on their, you know, feud, which I'm really looking forward to in a match I'm just absolutely cannot wait for. So, no, this one looks really cool because it's just not like we just haven't seen this combination ever. You know, with the, a lot of these six mans, you kind of get bored of seeing the same thing. This is going to be different. I mean, God, you, Kotoge, Harada, Jado again. You know, Jado makes another appearance on a, on a wrestling show, which is always good when he, you know, pops up from his uh, excursions or wherever he goes but uh, yeah no it's it's uh, there's just a lot to like there and a lot of really you know stuff that has meaning down the line as well so i'm really looking forward to that match yeah and then the main event which again is pretty much on its own in turn and this is a big show in a big building this is the kobe show this is i would say this is on its own man like there's not much else there there isn't other than your okada marafuji interactions in the semi-main i this this tell but that gets lost. That gets lost in a, a title match. You know, it I mean, does. that's not like those two are facing each other, and that's right. you know, it's not a single. This is it. This is these two. So when you really break it down on these, and, and of course, it's the Intercontinental Title match, Elgin versus Naito. Again, I tell you that on January fifth, that the other Destruction show is headlined by Michael Elgin versus Tetsuya Naito. Okay, which doesn't sound as crazy as Omega Yoshihashi, which sounds absolutely mental, and doesn't sound as crazy as. Oh, yeah, by the way, they're adding a third Destruction show, and that one's headlined by a junior match. I mean, really, put yourself in January and, and have someone lay this out for you. You'd think they're fucking – there's no way you would think the company is thriving, which they are. And so you got Elgin Naito here. What this tells me is something that we already knew, but there's still a lot of people struggling with this, like Dave Meltzer. And I don't understand why these people are struggling with this. Tetsuya Naito is a big-time star and a major draw, and he's being counted on to basically fill this building all by himself. Because Michael Elgin has no history of being a draw. They have elevated him to some extent, and this is a big test for him. But he has no history of being a draw, and there's nothing underneath to support this. Especially if you're not high on this eight-man as being a drawing match, which you don't seem to be. So this is really the Tetsuya Naito show on the biggest of the three destruction shows. And also, Hiroshi Tanahashi is nowhere to be found in terms of helping to draw on any of these shows. They didn't give him anything. They could have thrown him a singles match against anyone just to give him one of these They chose not to do that. And Okada is pretty much a ghost as well, aside from the Fale match, which I concede is a bit of a drawing match uh, underneath the Omega Yoshihashi match. Rich, these three shows in terms of main events and drawing matches – an enormous set of balls by New Japan. It's yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it, 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 that's why we wanted to talk about these shows so much, and we wanted to talk about them all in one because it just doesn't make sense to talk about them individually because it's 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 everything that the the people that have been critical of New Japan have asked for for a long time. It's like the they're going for it. They're saying, okay, let's find out who these new draws are. Let's and it, and a lot of these guys have shown that they can do a little bit. You know, Naito has shown this before, but it's a big spot for Elgin. And you know, I do think Elgin's going to lose here, and Naito's going to win the title. But still, that's a big spot to trust Elgin with, even against Naito. It's a huge spot to put Yoshihashi and Kenny Omega in. We know Kenny Omega is somewhat of a draw, but again, they're putting him out there and going, okay, there you go, do it. And then Yoshihashi is another one as well. They don't know. I mean, maybe 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 he is something. Maybe that's a thing. Then you know, you got Fali and Okada. That's another one again that we, we we've mentioned you know time and time again. Those guys can draw, but they're not really the ones that are being looked at here. It's we're looking at a Kenny Omega here. We're looking at what Kenny Omega can do, and then in the first show, as you mentioned again, that that you know Kushida and Bushi being the main event is just unbelievable and on another level, unbelievable. And then you know Shibata and Bobby Fish, you know less so, but still, it's 
Bobby Fish and Shibata is the semi-main event of like a somewhat major New Japan show. Like that's just unfathomable. So it's everything that a lot of people, if if, if you've complained about New Japan and you're oh the, it's all the same stuff and it's Okada and Tanahashi and blah blah, blah you you have no right to complain after this weekend because man, this is it, it, it it's ballsy. You know the cards maybe don't look as great on paper. Maybe you could have loaded one of the cards or or done a lot of you know rematches on it. But for for building. You know, build, creating building blocks for the next, you know, years the, the, down the line of getting these guys and putting them on another level and seeing what they do and seeing if they sink or swim. This is a huge weekend. And we're going to look at this weekend in a lot of ways as, you know, it seems relatively meaningless on paper, but it's huge. Just huge ramifications all across. You know, you're talking about the tag titles, what they do with that, if they sort of, you know, the mixing of the divisions, if juniors can beat heavyweights, if juniors can win the heavyweight title, what happens with the junior titles. And then, yeah, like all like five new dudes. That could potentially become players and like main event players all, you know, getting thrown to the wolves on one weekend or, you know, one, you know, tour of shows is just it's incredible. It's crazy. I'm going to put you back January 5th again. And on top of everything else I laid out for you, I'm also going to tell you that the company is doing three destruction shows. None of them are headlined by Okada or Tanahashi. Think about that. This is crazy. OK, but oh, by the way, they will be headlined by Yoshihashi and Bobby Fish. <laughs> Throw you out. You, you would think that this burn you at a stake. Yeah, you, I don't know. You what would you think would this company was below fucking Noah in all Japan? Again, I would I would assume that like half the company in in March was like, you know what, we're creating our own company. Bye. Like it looks like those old uh, you know all Japan shows. You know after the the Noah exodus where it's just like, oh, here we go. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I would be stunned. I, I yeah. I'm pumped up for these shows. There's a lot, like you said, all the new stuff, all the fresh stuff, all the. Ta- I'm so excited for all these. They just feel so much more different than any other shows we've seen in a while. And then like I don't know if as like I don't know like in ring wise if it's going to really be these incredible shows because I mean there are still a lot of those kind of meaningless tags. Matches and whatnot, but there's a lot of filler, and, and that's going to be a problem. And people are going to complain and bitch and moan about it. But at the end of the day, you're looking at these as just you know newsworthy, important shows, and that's really where you get it. And the main events are all pretty. I mean, Shabbat and Bobby Fish is going to be awesome. Kushida and Bushi is going to be great, right? You know, I mean, like, yeah, there's a lot of filler, but you, you know that that Hiroshima show, I look at and I go, Adam Cole, Osprey, Bad Luck Folly, and Okada, who usually have great matches, and Omega Yoshihashi have no doubt being good. So that's three matches right there that I, I'm pretty. You know, pump for, and then yeah, and that the, the last show, the Kobe show, that's one that really could just be a whole big bag of nothing. But you have Elgin and Naito on top, and that's going to be great. And then you have that that chaos uh, versus you know Noah six man, which will be pretty good. The or the eight man rather, which you know the rest of the show might not be great, but there's enough stuff, enough news, enough different where it, it, you just have to watch these shows anyway, just from that perspective. Yeah, I'm psyched about all the the uh, tag team stuff. And uh, look, the thing is, when they do the split shows, it always waters down the individual shows. And this one is split three ways. So, yeah, obviously, it's going to dilute the quality of each of the individual shows. I mean, if this were all one show, all of these main events we're talking about would all be on the same card. I mean, and, you know, and it, you know, you have to wait for King of Pro Wrestling for that. Three destruction shows. What do you think of that? Again, when they split these shows into twos, I didn't mind as long as they fill the buildings. If you can fill the three buildings, I don't have a problem with it. Where do you stand? But see, I'm kind of conflicted here because in one sense, as much as I would love to just sit down one time you know, for my four hours or whatever, sit down and I get to see all these matches in one, all these big t- singles matches that I just mentioned all at once – Part of me would enjoy that. I would just sit down and be good. But from a, I, I understand as well from you know what we do here and, and sort of you know analyzing the business or whatever. It's kind of cool the way they're doing this because now we can really look at okay, 
you know, Elgin Naito would have just been, you know, the fourth or the third or fourth match on the card. You know, Yoshihashi Kenny Omega would have been, you know, God, it'd probably be before intermission, right? Like, well, Elgin, if it was all these on the same. Well, yeah, Elgin like, Naito would be the main event. But I see what you're saying. It, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, like, of course. Yeah, no, for those. Yoshihashi but. would be buried a little. Shibata Fish would be like in the mid card. That Cole Osprey would be like the opener and get like four minutes. You know, you know, like it'd be like stuff like that. Or those tag matches would just be utterly meaningless. Right. So there's a part of me that really enjoys the fact that it's like, no, you know what? As much as I would like all these to be a nice one compact g- giant mega show of the year type show or whatever, I like this idea that instead, no, we're going to really try to see what these guys are made of, what they have, because that could pay huge dividends down the line then. Where a Shibata or a Kushida, you say, oh, shit, well, okay, these guys can draw, then let's go. Then it really opens up then what you can do down the line and what you can do with that main event scene, where maybe then you can integrate a Shibata into the main events a little bit more. Maybe Elgin gets more, you know, big spots and big moments or whatever. Maybe, you know, so that's kind of cool in that sense where, Yes, for this one moment, it's going to be like, oh, God, I got to watch three, you know, four hour shows or whatever. But down the line, if it means that we get new guys in the main event scenes, new players, new guys that are draws, new of those big, you know, get guys in that mix as being big draws and big time main eventers, then it pays dividends down the line. So that I can't complain about because it could be, you know, a short term loss of, oh, God, I got to sit and watch these shows for a long term gain of, okay, we developed, you know, three or four new guys that we trust that can be in the main events. And then, you know, it builds up for future, you know, shows as well. So, no, there, there's there's a give and a take there where, there where you know, there's positives, short term, you know, there's yeah, positives right. and negatives. And but, but the thing about it is, look, I like mega shows with all great matches top to bottom. But the fact is they wouldn't give you all these great matches on one show anyway. And look, I mean, look, the Young Bucks are in two title matches. We're getting two Young Bucks title matches instead of one. You know, there's things like that where you really can double up with a lot of these guys. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they, they wouldn't have done one show with – look at this. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven matches that are either for titles or for the briefcase. I mean, unless it's the Tokyo Dome, you're not getting seven title matches on one show. So it's like, this way you spread them out. You get to taste them all. And if you're not us, Rich, if you're just someone listening to this, you don't have to watch all the filler. We got to watch this shit because we have to talk about it. But Rich, if you if, if we weren't doing this podcast and we weren't running a website, we didn't have to be on top of things. Are you really watching the eight man tag uh, third match on the show? In <laughs> I'm considering skipping those two. I mean, yeah, seriously. So it's like yeah. you know, you know, for for you know, a fan who doesn't have to be on top of this stuff and watch all this shit and review it and be on top of it when people have questions. You can skip all that filler and you can turn these four-hour shows into 90-minute shows. Yeah, and I think that's a problem that, that we, we talk about that all the time. And, and you know, we mentioned this with the three show. We, we talk about it, you know, a lot with New Japan and, and, and wrestling in general is the fact that we have all this stuff. People feel obligated to watch all the shows and, and watch every match and do all that sort of stuff, which is fine. And if you have the time and, and the, the energy and you want to do that, you can do that. But there's nothing wrong with picking and choosing some of the bigger matches and watching those, then if everybody goes, oh, dude, you got, you got to watch that Chaos you know, Bullet Club six-man, then you can go back and watch it. But there's nothing like... I feel like people feel like they're left out or that, it, that it's against the rules to just you know watch the matches you want to watch, you know, watch it in whatever order you want to watch, because like, that's not a bad thing. Like, you know, that, and I think that a lot of times that does cause people to get kind of upset about these shows, because, yes, these shows, as we said, are, there's a lot of filler in these shows, so you might come away going, oh, those shows sucked, even if those last two matches are really good or whatever. And that, that's not just the New Japan thing. That's everything. Like, if, if 
if you feel like it's a grind to get through these shows and that the promotion sucks because it's such a grind, then you know you don't have to watch every single one of these matches. Why bother? I mean, you got so much else to do in your life and so much other wrestling to watch. I mean, watch the stuff you want to watch. Watch the stuff that gets hyped if you want. You don't have to be a completist with every single show. And like, there's times where you know, even I wish that we didn't have to do that for this show. Is I could just say, hey, I'm just gonna watch these two main events, and you know, if somebody says these other matches are good, then they're good, and I'll watch them. But I think we 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 get so you know we we can get everything now, so we assume we have to watch everything, and and that's it's not always the best way to consume wrestling. You know, we're almost at a point where since we do get everything, it's less of a reason to watch the whole show, because whereas you know if you're trading tapes or buying tapes in 1993, you have to make purchase decisions, and then you're gonna watch that whole fucking tape because that's the only two wrestling shows you're getting. You know, for that month or for those six months or whatever, just because of the nature of it. Now, since we have everything, you're right. Why waste time grinding through these shows when there's a million other shows? You can just you know, watch what, watch the stuff you want to see. And we, me and you cheat sometimes because we'll get together before we do this and we'll say, all right, what did you see off of this pay-per-view? All right, well, I saw the other three so we can piece it together. You know what I mean? It, 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 so we even cheat in that respect. Uh, but yeah, you, you're right. Bigger picture, you, you really don't have to grind your way through all this stuff. There's a lot of skippable stuff on these three shows. Uh, it shouldn't. It's not as daunting as it looks, but I'll be there watching all of it. I'll be right yeah, there no. for uh, <laughs> Great Bash Heel, Captain New Japan, and Yoshitatsu versus Tenkoji, Matt Seidel, and Ricochet. Actually, that doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> that sounds pretty but, okay. Uh, yeah. But yes, so yeah, that's the point there. But that's those are the three, and, and they're spread out. The um, the Tokyo show is the 17th. Hiroshima slash Hiroshima is the 22nd. And then Kobe is the 25th. You got some breathing room there, too. If they were like back-to-back-to-back nights, you'd want to just hang yourself. But there, there's some breathing room here. You're almost, by the time the next show comes, you're hungry for it again. You're ready for the next one. Yeah, exactly. Where The G1, I was not hungry for anything. <laughs> Even though it was great, I was just like, no, yeah. not yeah. again. Like, please take a day off. <laughs> like, oh, it's the weekend. No, just. Don't run shows, but yeah, no, it'll be good stuff. So those are really, really fun cards and just newsworthy in general. But we'll, of course, have coverage and previews uh, on the website as well, voiceofwrestling.com. So definitely check out uh, there and, and and see what we do on there. So uh, speaking of stuff we have on the website, we have a Backlash 2016 preview that we just posted today. It'll be up uh, on the website right now for anybody that's listening as well. But, uh, Joe, you and I, we got to preview this show. Did you know they had a pay-per-view coming? What are we previewing here? Backlash. Oh, ba- I almost forgot we were doing that. Yep, I kind of forgot Backlash was coming. Yeah, we can transition that into the Cruiserweight Classic, right? Yes, because I watched Raw and they said Backlash this Sunday, and I went, "Oh my God, it's this Sunday!" And then I went onto the (laughs) Slack group and said, "Oh God, who wants to preview Backlash?" I forgot it was coming. So let's do one to ten, and then get in a few thoughts where necessary, and then get in because I'm excited to get to the Cruiserweight. Yeah, I, I, forewarning, I don't care about this Backlash show whatsoever. So <laughs> go to – our previewers did, and they did a really good job. So definitely go to voiceofwrestling.com and check out that uh, preview there. But, yeah, Joe and I, I think we're pretty low on that, so we're not going to waste a whole lot of time because we do want to talk about the Cruiserweight Classic and, and give time. So we're going to play 1 to 10 and kind of just chime in here. But, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a nothing show. So uh, we'll start with the beginning. The Miz defending his Intercontinental Championship against Dolph Ziggler. Joe, where are you at 1 to 10? I I don't know five because I kind of like both guys. I'm not someone I'm not someone who hates Dolph Ziggler now like everybody else does, but I I can't say I'm super excited about it or anything. It's just yeah, you can't get pumped. I mean, like I like the Miz and I like Dolph Ziggler, but it's just like yeah, I don't know the match itself. And like I, I was telling people, uh, you, you know, the people that were previewing it for our website, I said it, the the worst thing, the most deflating thing ever was reading the Wikipedia entry for this match, which I'll read it to you here right now. 
because it lets you know just like, oh, man, we had something really cool, and then we just didn't. So uh, on the August 23rd edition of Talking Smack, Intercontinental Champion The Miz went on a tirade on general manager Daniel Bryan in response to Bryan's comments about him wrestling like a coward and someone who was afraid to get hit. On the August 30th episode of SmackDown, Dolph Ziggler confronted The Miz, fairly nearly goading him into a fight after insulting him for being soft and safe. Immediately afterwards, I'm talking smack. Brian scheduled the Miz to defend his Intercontinental Championship against Dolph Ziggler. That's pretty sad. It's just like sweet, awesome. Oh, like you know, it's just like then Brian's just like, yeah, well, you you face Dolph Ziggler now, and it's like, oh man, you know what I mean? Like that first week, remember how pumped everybody was? Mm-hmm. I want it now. I gotta see this match now. And like, yeah, it could still happen, but the fact that Brian was just like, you know, you can face Dolph Ziggler, and it's just like, oh. It, 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 Oh. <laughs> it, it kind of speaks to when you split the roster. This is where the depth issues come into play because oh, that's this show is that as yeah. well. We'll talk about that a little bit when we're done previewing it. But yeah, go ahead. No, that was just my point. That Dolph Ziggler goes right from a title match that flopped live, which he lost, into getting another title match <laughs> because it, there's just depth issues because of the split roster, which I think. Is only because they're terrible at utilize. Look, they've got how many people in the performance center? You know what I mean? It's like you should never have depth issues in this company, but they do. All right, uh, move on. Now we have this one. <laughs> this is the Joe Lanza special here. Uh, oh, I didn't give my zero to time. What did I do? Uh, four. I'll give a four for the Miz and Dolph Ziggler. Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. You know, I've started to turn the corner on Randy Orton before he got okay, hurt. good. Because I like him. I like him too. And. He's a guy who years ago I was I could not fucking stand this man. Like most people, I just thought he was super boring and dragged everything down. But I've started to turn the corner on him in recent years. Um, Bray, I still have absolutely no use for, and I really don't get what this match is other than we have two upper mid carders that we don't know what we're doing. Any we don't know what we're doing with these men right now. So let's just put them in really a program. Fight, yeah. And Bray Wyatt's a guy who sometimes they forget is around. Because he, that's that was gonna be my point. You know how you said you have nothing to, for him, or you have nothing to do with him anymore. You don't care about him. Nobody does. Yeah, that guy is a, a complete like. We get those tweets now every single word. Oh yeah, Bray Wyatt. Like people, for, you you don't remember he's on the roster. The company doesn't remember. I mean, like they forget. Like they must go backstage. And go yeah, Bray. Oh yeah, I'll get out there. Like you know what I mean. Like it's 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 so bizarre. And that's a guy that I really thought. Like I knew you know we of course were were kind of down on him relative i mean relatively before a lot a lot of people kind of jumped in or whatever and uh, for a number of reasons we just didn't like the character we didn't like the promos we didn't like the matches there was, there was a number of things that came in there but you always hear the people going no i like the i like the entrance i like the wyatt family and and i saw those like i was a little I, you know you were a little harder on him than i was i was kind of okay with i like the the promos and i liked some of the stuff and then little by little people started dropping off to the point now where i don't i mean no but he's just completely just a guy on the roster, which is just, cr- I never thought we would get to this level with Bray Wyatt. I really thought there would always be that subset of people that were like, no, 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 no a, a non-factor, a zero on this roster right now. Yeah. And, uh, he's left off of major shows. I mean, even when he's not hurt. So, um, I'm, I'm, I really can't get into a Bray Wyatt match. There's a chance that it could be good. I hope it surprises me and it's good. But it's Bray Wyatt. I can't go much higher than four for anything Bray Wyatt. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go about a three as well, just because. And I've liked Orton's work as of late, and I think he's he's he's. I, I like the energized Orton. I like the babyface Orton. But yeah, there's. I mean, him versus Bray Wyatt is not the recipe for what a match that I'm gonna enjoy at all. Because Orton, when he's in there with somebody who's great, you know, or someone good, he'll he'll put something good together. But I I don't think this is gonna be a very good match either. And and I don't know what they're fighting for. Like I don't know what the per like why why care why would I care? So I'm at about a three as well here. So uh, the Usos versus the Hype Bros this is the tag team tournament semifinal. The US so cemented their heel turn, uh, beating down on American Alpha and, and knocking them out of the tournament. So now the two losers from the bracket get to face each other to figure out who goes to the, the finals of the tag team tournament, which is always a fun way to do that as well. Well, I can't give a rating for a match that doesn't exist yet. We don't know who the opponents are. Well, this is the Usos versus the Hype Bros. Oh, that's on the show too? This is on the show, yes. Oh, that's they, how they're doing it. I got you. Yes, yes. So the American Alpha is out, so the two teams that lost in the semis get to have a re-semi we'll have two matches that night yeah man i have a great talk show host here i'm i'm right on top <laughs> Dude, of it's, it, honestly this backlash show i don't blame you i really I'm, don't we as i was making this preview and i told everybody i said man this card's bad and everybody went oh i remember it being okay people every single reviewer went oh my god that card's worse than i thought it was oh my god i this is ridiculous like it, it, it's a weird thing and people are and these people are watching smackdown i'm watching smackdown and even then I was like, what is this card? It's, you're going to get to it. This, is, this might be an all-timer. We'll get to it here in a little bit because there's not many more matches to talk about. I mean, there's been a lot of great tournaments in wrestling this year, and this SmackDown Tag Team Tournament has not been one of them. I mean, this is a shitbag tournament. What a terrible tournament this was. Uh, the matches haven't been any good. This running storyline with, look, I like Heat Slater as much as the next guy. I'm tired of this Heat Slater Rhino stuff. Um, the... the, the Here's, here's my thing on that, and not to interrupt you, but as much as I like Heath Slater and he's funny and all that sort of stuff, there's so much talent. I just want to see a really good wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, you're bursting with talent. Put two do, do really good guys together and have great matches. You know, like, yes, the Slater thing is funny, and it, but for, for this roster, like, I don't want that. You know, you know people are going to get on us for this. I don't care. I, I really don't. Like, I, he's funny. He's fine. But, but like a lot of things, it's going to wear out its welcome very fast. Exactly. And it's just like you have the, so many talented guys. Like how much better would this be if it was Revival or, or something? You know what I mean? Like teams like that. Like that's what I want out of this. I don't want to laugh at Heath Slater anymore. I've done it. It's fine. It's whatever. But he's in the finals of the tournament. Like, you know, if you want to have him in the undercard, you have him have a random match with Titus O'Neil. That's fine. But he's in the, the, the tournament, like the finals of the tournament. I hear you. He's later in Rhino. Like, I, just, I don't know. The one good thing that came out of this tournament, like the one genuinely good thing, didn't the Usos heel turn feel like a real heel turn to you? It did, yeah. There, there was a real, like, anger in, in the way that they, you could kind of project their, their, their frustrations in the past few years in that heel turn. So I like that it a lot. It felt yeah. like an old school heel turn. Like, WWE turns are just, we're over them. They happen a lot. Um, they don't have the magnitude they used to have in the past. You know, in the old days, back in my day, Rich, when someone would turn, it was always a big deal. Even when it was like a lower mid-card or a mid-card guy, it would be the the buzz at school the next day. Hey, Hercules turned. Did you see it? You know what? It, it didn't matter who it was. And and it, it, they would oh, turns would always have impact. The one I always reference is when Boris Zukov took off his boot and attacked Nikolai Volkov with it, and the Bolsheviks split up. Like, in hindsight, who gives a fuck? But when that's like the only angle they ran on superstars for eight months, it, it, it had some impact. Turns, it, even though it was just Boris Zukov and Nikolai, it's still a turn that had some, it, all turns had meat. 
this felt like a turn that had some meat. They lost the squash match, you know, and, and he just kicked him in the face and they did the splash and then they, they gave that promo, uh, you know, with Renee Young and it just felt like a good heel turn. And it, it occurred to me that that's really been something that's been missing from this company, the impact turn. And I felt like this was an impact turn. All right. Uh, what is your feel for Usos hype bros? Usos winning? I think, yeah, I think Usos will win the titles too. Yeah, and I think they, they beat Heath Slater and Rhino, of course, and then they feud with American Alpha for the titles, right? Right. That seems like, okay. Uh, hype for uh, the hype bros Usos. What do you got? Ah, five. Yeah, I'm in. I'm into the Usos heel turn. Not bad. I don't mind the hype bros either. So yeah, I'll go. I'll go six with that one. What about the? Uh, and I don't, and I'll tell you, I don't care. Yeah. And I don't care if I'm the last guy on earth to turn the corner on Mojo Raleigh, but I haven't turned it yet because I start. I'm seeing people turning the corner on him. Not me. I'm. St- I still can't stand the guy. So I might be the last guy on earth who finally turns the corner on Mojo Raleigh. I'm still not seeing. I still. That's he fair. still annoys the fuck out of me. So I. I think that's what you're. That's kind of what you're going for, though. But I guess you don't baby want that. Face. Well, yeah. You're supposed to laugh at him. Laugh with him? You mean like like? No, I think you laugh at him. I think it's a baby face you laugh at. Oh, he, he, okay. So it's supposed to be like, oh, Mojo, you card like that. Kind it, of I think so. Yeah, I, that's how I've always taken. I'm it. I'm like, but oh, Mojo, get off my TV. So that, that's fair. That's that's I, I see both ends of that as well. So yeah, that's not a problem. Uh, and then the Usos, of course, we we both have them winning, uh, and then we both have them beating Heath Slater and Rhino for the titles. What's your hype for that? Which is inevitably it's going to be the Usos versus Heath Slater and Rhino. So what, what's Assuming your your that's one to set match? Up? I, don't know. I mean, that's got to be. I mean, come on, it's got to. I guess another five. I'm just five on this show i guess i don't know well it's not going to get a whole lot better because we're going to go six pack challenge elimination match for your smackdown women's championship you have alexa bliss becky lynch your girl carmella naomi natalia and nikki bella in all, the ever-improving nikki in bella. all honesty i wish they just i mean it should just be carmella versus nikki bella right i mean wouldn't that be you eliminate all these extraneous people you don't have some shitty six-way you have a one-on-one match and that's the feud that has been well built. Again, a turn which had a little bit of impact with Carmella. As much as I bang on her, the turn had some impact. It was a good turn. Um, I feel like that should be the match. So it's like, do one of them win and then they do have those two feud with each other? Because wouldn't it be kind of empty if one of the other four win the title? And then what do you do with Carmella and Nikki Bella? Because you know this company doesn't have time on two and three hour shows to have more than one female program at, at, at once. So it's like it has to be a title program or bust. So that kind of tells you that either Carmella or Nikki are winning, right? Yeah. I who who'd you have? I, I think I have Nikki winning, but I guess that it's kind of a better story if Carmella wins, right? But that seems so. It's weird. also the <laughs> it's, like, it's also the same story you're telling with the Usos, right? The heel turns, the heel wins, the babyface then chasing. Um, the other thing is Nikki Bella is not full time on the road, correct? I believe so, but I guess somebody will probably correct us if we're wrong, but I believe that's correct. You put the title on someone who's not full-time. And especially with this roster, I mean, there's not a whole lot there, so you kind of would, it wouldn't be bad to have a, a champion on the tour. Because then your so. house show match on the tour? Yeah. If it's not the champion. Well, do you have some auxiliary one? Do you have, like, a Becky Lynch win it, then? But that's the thing. If you have, I don't have a problem with that, okay? The, well, I, do have, I don't want Lynch to win any titles because I like her in that El Generico role. I think. Well, and, what I want, and I agree because when, when she wins, I want that to be the biggest moment yes. for her and that entire title and that career. Like, that's got to be a defining, a, a career-defining win. It cannot just be mm-hmm. 
a six pack challenge elimination match on backlash like that. Exactly. It'd be such a waste. I want her to be in a, in a major spot. I like her being the close, but no cigar baby face. I love that because she's, she's perfect for it, but I see what you're saying. So let's say pick any of the others. Natalia is fine. Okay. What I'm saying is, you know, this, I would be okay with that and then have Carmella and Nikki just have a feud. The problem is, you know, this company doesn't do that. You, You don't get more than one women's program on each show. I don't have any faith they're going to do that. Do you? Because I don't. <sighs> no. <laughs> could, you, could you see them having a TV feud with Carmella and Nikki that didn't involve the title? I can't. I can't see it. No, I don't. Because what? Yeah, they, they're always like that. I mean, that's that's why all these titles are being injected into this company. Is that's that's the way they tell their story. They don't know how to tell a story. Not, not with the not with the women. The women. The only story is the title story. Because yeah. you know what I mean. And it's like. Even on a three-hour RAW, like that's why it was like crazy. They're doing this Alicia Fox, Nia Jax thing, and I'm like, whoa, they're really going to do a second female program on RAW. But you know what? That's going to be it's going to be Nia Jax squashing Alicia Fox next week, and that's going to be the end of that. Yeah, it's just something to distract them and get them through the week. That's they don't give you two programs at the same time. I can't think of a time when they've done that with the. I can't think. Two women's programs at the same time. There has to be the only time two segments. Period. I'm thinking the only time that that happened was back when they were doing that Nikki Brie. Remember when like Brie was the slave for Nikki or whatever? Yes. That would be at least off the top of my head. I can think of that being the last. (sighs) Was she? I don't remember. She might have been. Oh, that was during her long ass title reign, right? It was. You're right. Okay. Um, Like when hmm. do you ever see like okay. When have you ever seen, like, Naomi feuding with whoever, name another girl, and it's just another feud on the show, like they do, like, the millions of men's feud, you know what I mean? When, the only time, like, they'll do it on the B-shows, you'll get a little program on main event or superstars that no one cares about and they don't pay attention to, but you never get them on Raw or SmackDown, is what I'm saying, which is why I think Nikki or Carmella has to win this, so I, I, I don't know. But I'm annoyed that it's a six-pack. I'd rather just have the singles match. I'm kind of with you there. That, I'm going with a four on this just because I don't this like the six-pack elimination. This could be such yeah. a mess with inexperienced people too. It's not easy for experienced wrestlers to work matches like this. And you're asking Carmella, who's horrendous, Alexa Bliss, who has no, who's, a, who's green, Naomi, who doesn't have experience in this sort of thing. Okay, Natalia's been around the block. Becky Lynch has, a, has been around the block. Nikki Bella competent enough but it, a six-way match is hard enough. you're gonna get in trouble for that for what you're gonna be in trouble for just calling nikki bella competent oh okay well i mean I, I didn't say she's bad she's competent i, I would say she's a competent. <sighs> you can't say that no you gotta well what is she's not a competent worker no you gotta say more joe okay it's, it's not enough she can't just be okay i, I guess not. always improving <laughs> always improving always nikki improving bella. but i mean she'll throw a role uh, you know a, a, uh i don't want to say the wrong one the roaring elbow, Rich. She'll throw a roaring elbow, and everyone will start calling her Masawa again. You know that's cool, but she's a competent worker. Um, but but I mean, what my point here is, you could put six really good people in a six way, and it's it's a tricky spot. This is I worry about this. Um, I don't know. I'll give it like a, a five, like I've given everything else on the show. <laughs> and then the main event. World Championship, Dean Ambrose defending his title against AJ Styles. Look, I'm really into Dean Ambrose's promos. I think he's cut nothing but excellent promos since he's come to SmackDown. Um, His match was an absolute dud at SummerSlam. Nobody cared. 
despite the fact that he had all those great promos, which begs the question, Rich, does that mean that they're not great promos? Because is it the idea of the promo to get you into the match? So, um, you know, but it's AJ Styles, so I think fans will be into this one. I think AJ has to win. I don't know about you. It's been it's been a big discussion, and people weren't quite sure what to make it. We, we've been talking about it kind of internally on, on, on Slack, and it was a big thing on uh, our preview as well. The Backlash preview is like, are you nuts if you don't have AJ win? Like... But it's it seems too soon to have Ambrose lose, right? It's it's a weird like I, I'm not really into like the story. I haven't really liked in this match, but I'm into seeing what the result is because it's it's I could it's one of those where it could go either way and, and really be an important decision when they make that the, the, whatever it is because like I, it's just it seems so weird to have, you can't have Styles lose, right? Like that's nuts. But I don't know. Yeah, I I, I don't know either. Um, I I think um, my gut is telling me Styles is going to win. And he should be, but 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 again, then you got a lot of heels winning too. So then it makes me think. I, but are they even thinking about things like that? You know. And then what's the direction? Is it Styles Orton? Does Orton beat Bray Wyatt? And then the, the direction is Styles and Orton. And what do you do with Dean Ambrose? You can't do Dean Ambrose Bray Wyatt again. But you know, again, there's a problem where the thinness of the roster comes into play because now we can't figure out where guys are going if Styles does win. Because there's not a lot of options there because they've split the rosters. And that's the downside of splitting the rosters. All right. And that's it for uh, Backlash. So what do you think of this card? I I just want to really talk about this on kind of a macro sense of like, this is the first SmackDown brand split pay-per-view that we've seen. And that that's the card. Is that to you? Is that like a really eye opening card? Or because because some people were really like shocked by just the, the lack of depth on this card, the lack of star power, the, just the lack of something. It's just a very. Uh, do you think it's a big deal, or do you do you I just think, think the, it's... I think the card stinks, and I think this is even more reason that the cruiserweights should have been on SmackDown. I agree. Yeah, and that that was my exact point that I made with somebody earlier. Is like it just shows you the cruiserweights seem to be on here, and you know. Dig some dig dig out of NXT a little bit and put some of these guys on SmackDown because we we had this idea of SmackDown that the, the 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 top parts of SmackDown would be fine that your main events would be okay because you have Ambrose you got Styles you know have Cena part time which again that's another thing too people kept bringing up Cena and it was like yeah I'm gonna leave for like four months so bye like you know that's not a like a a really viable option so you have those guys the main events were okay but it was that undercard that was a train wreck and I'm still of that mindset that th- this is this is the first month. And this is already, it seems like a card of like, let's get through this month, right? Like this is a, we don't know what to do. Let's just get through this month and figure it out next month. We're a month in and then we're already at that point with this. Yeah, it's, it's, there's not a lot of depth here. They really could have used the cruiserweights, especially coming hot off of that show. Raw doesn't really need the cruiserweights. I think they're filling the three hours just fine. Some weeks it's good. Some weeks it's bad. It's a three hour show and it's raw. It's not always going to be good. Um, but I, I, I just didn't – I thought that was a bad decision from the start. I really thought that the, the cruiserweights belonged on SmackDown because that mid-card needed that meat um, because there's nothing there. I'm trying to find the first uh, – uh, the, the original first SmackDown um, brand-exclusive pay-per-view. I believe – was it Vengeance in 2003? Does that sound right? 2003? I have no idea. Or 2002. Yeah, 2003. That, that's when they did it. Okay, so here's here's what we got here. So here's kind of a, a way to sort of look at the difference. Um, Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit. Jamie Noble versus Billy Gunn. Bradshaw winning the APA Invitational Barroom Tournament. Uh, Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas defeating Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman. Sable defeating Stephanie McMahon. 
The Undertaker defeating John Cena, Vince McMahon defeating Zach Gowen, and then Kurt Angle defeating Brock Lesnar and Big Show. There's a lot more there. <laughs> that's now the company had more. Eddie, I mean, the company had way more. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. That's Absolutely. the point. That's the point we're making. Exactly. You're right. That's, that's so. I mean, you know, and that's just you know the other brand had had was probably just as loaded at that time too. So yeah, I mean, it's it's just and again, it's frustrating because there's so many people in NXT right now that could have helped with this problem, but it was political. The people that they chose to call up, they called up Carmella and the fucking hype bro dork and, um, you know, and, and, and Nia Jax. And they didn't call up Nakamura and Austin Aries and the people that legitimately, um, you know, the revival and everything else. They, they should have called up all of those people and, and put them on these rosters. I mean, you know, it's it, because now this is what you're stuck with. You know, but it was political. They they wanted to call up the homegrown people as much as possible, rather than the international and the indie studs. So uh, there was a lot that went into that decision making. But yeah, this is not a good show. This is not- no. But thankfully, uh, SmackDown is getting an uh, influx of talent coming in because uh, Kurt Hawkins is debuting uh, after the show. Oh, well, so. I mean, geez, you know, hit- so he's there next week. So I mean, really, the, the, it's just get through this month and then everything's good. Everything's nice and peachy after that because you get Kurt Hawkins. When you can so. add a Brian Myers, I mean, who? Right, and 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 make it the Matt Hardy version 1.0 uh, story to a T. Have you seen those promos? Pretty bad. Just like what? <laughs> It's just the worst. But anyway, that's that's backlash. We said it was tag terrible, team champion, so. my friend. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, was, was that Brian Myers? It was Brian. I well, did he win the TNA or did he win the Global Force? Because they were both in there. No, no, no. The Bollywood Boys are the Global Force champions. No, no, no. At a point though, did they win the TNA? I, I remember they, well, they were did. in there they in, the, from Global they, Force, but yes, they okay. It was, but I don't remember if it was it was Brian Myers and and, and Trevor Lee. It was Trevor Lee, right? Yeah, that, Trevor Lee for sure. Was Brian Myers the partner? That, Oh, he was. Yeah, no, no, he absolutely. They were was. the tag champs, right? Okay, I don't remember if they won like some weird global force or. Okay, so the Bellwood Boys are the initial and still global force champions. I so. The, tag the title? original and reigning force <laughs> tag team champions. So, what about the thirty day rule? Have they defended their titles in the last thirty days? I, I'd like to. Uh, uh, we'll look that up right like now. To find out. Look that up right now, the Bollywood Boys. I think it's Thank you. C, I right? It. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And that's a good transition because we're about to talk about the Bollywood. Yeah, and then the two of the Bollywood boys were in the Cruiserweight Classic. So, yeah, we'll uh, finish out here the show uh, talking about the Cruiserweight Classic. It's something we have not talked a whole lot about. You and I have both been watching it. We both I, – I, I, I haven't spoke to you about this, but I've been loving it, and I believe you have as well. Uh, maybe sort of macro thoughts about the Cruiserweight Classic before we kind of preview the semifinals, which are going on the 14th. Uh, the semifinals and the finals, which are a live show on the 14th, September 14th, will be on the WWE Network. But uh, first off, what have you thought of the tournament? What matches have stood out? People have stood out. What what have you really taken from this tournament so far? Because I've been I, – I love it. I actually think it's an incredible tournament from top to bottom, and it's been some of my favorite thing to watch every single week. Tournament's been great. Everything second round onward that hasn't involved Ho-Ho Lun has pretty much – yeah, been, that been was great. Um, well, I, I wasn't his backyarder. He's a backyarder. It just so happens his backyard is China. So that's the whole like, one is terrible. I, he might be one of the worst. Like he brings nothing to the table and requires a hundred percent carrying from his opponents. And I felt, yeah, I felt so bad for Noam Dar. And I felt, and bad, I felt were, bad for Davari because at least Noam Dar gets to advance and show what he can do. In a, yeah, Davari had a Davari had to work with that scrub. <laughs> And I felt so bad because Lund was really bad in that match, and Davari's like really trying, 
And Davari looked great on NXT this week, teaming with Tony Nese against... Um, that was a great match. You, you got a lot of shit for saying it was better than any of the two Cruiserweight matches. But that was really good. I really good. believe it was, because I didn't... I mean, you're wrong, but it, it was good, though. I didn't like the Noam Darzak Saber match that you and everybody else right, so. like. I, I thought that was boring as shit. I, I couldn't wait for that to end. It, I thought it was very boring. Um, and, and the, and the um, TJ Perkins-Rich Swan match, I thought was a little better, but was also pretty boring. Because I, I don't think that's Rich Swan's match. That that you know, like a technical, uh, gritty sort of. I mean, that's not Rich Swan. And he's working from underneath. His legs are taken out the whole time. So yeah, you didn't get any of the dynamic Rich Swan you you kind of like. And and sometimes yeah. So I, I get that. But you were into the Saber Dar match. I liked it. Yeah, and I'm into that style. And I, I was fine with it because I like the idea that that you know Dar was almost in a sense getting the better of Zack Saber at certain points, and then Saber at the end just kind of says, "No, I'm 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 still more talented." I thought it was a good moment for Dar. I think it really showed that they have. To book that type of match and not just have Saber kind of run through him really quickly, I thought it was a decent thing. I thought it was a way where I, th- I felt Dar came out of that match despite losing, looking incredible because he had Saber. He had really focused on him, and there was a point where it looked like okay, he he he's got Saber here. He's got his he's got his knees and his arms both focused on, both destroyed, and Saber then busts out that you know submission at the end and does it in a very you know creative way where he doesn't really use those hurt body parts, but still kind of to, to an extent uses them enough where he can get that that. that tap out and I really like that I thought Noam Dar looked good from it but I, I get your point it was it was it went a little long in the tooth but I was into that story of Noam Dar sort of working over Saber and seeing that sense where, where, where it was cool because the commentary did a good job too of saying oh Dar's really doing something here he's really impressing us so but I, I could see how somebody would see that as boring but I enjoyed that story of, of kind of the match so I, I, I was fine with it yeah I, I just I it never captured me and I just was bored all the way through um, but but other than that, I mean, uh, I, I think all the matches have been phenomenal second round on, and a lot of the first round matches were really awesome too. Um, what do you think as far as now that the semifinals are set, how do you see those playing out? We've got Grand Metallic against – man, I've really been schooled by Moro on the pronunciation of some of these names, okay? First of all, I thought it was Nomdar. We now come to find out it's Noamdar. And Jack Gallagher – Instead of Jack Gallagher, I've been saying Jack Gallagher this whole time. Yeah, don't listen to don't listen to our show. We we went down the field because I think we have at least forty five percent of them with horribly wrong and mispronounced names. So don't don't do that. And it's Grand Metallic, not Grand Metallic. We're we're <laughs> such gringos, Rich. We don't. We're just like nasally fucking gringos. We're just yeah. That's so we've well, got Grand hey. Metallic. I just want to say metallic so bad against Zack Saber Jr. and we've got T.J. Perkins against Kota Ibushi. You go first. I think to me it's pretty obvious who's winning both of these matches. Yeah, I think I think Perkins is winning over Ibushi, but that that's one I waver on. But I think that the idea that Ibushi's still kind of like ah, I don't know if I want to sign. Like I think, and we said that when we previewed the show, the guy who's going to win this thing is somebody that they want to parlay right now. They're not going to give it to a guy who's not going to sign. And I said at the beginning of this tournament, you can remember here, you were listening to it. I said I would not have Kotobushi win because if I'm WWE, I don't sign that guy because I don't trust him. And it turns out they said, hey, man, here's a contract. And he went, eh, you know, not really. I don't really want to. I'll come in every so often and fight, but I don't really want to. And they, you know, have basically said, oh, okay, you could do that, but you're not going to, you know, we're not going to put you on the main roster. We're not going to do it. So that's a little bit of an interesting thing there. So, no, I don't think Kotobushi moves on. So I have TJ Perkins moving on. Uh, and then I have, this one's can be interesting. I have Grand Metallic. I don't know if you do either, but I have Grand Metallic and TJ Perkins in the final. Is that what you have as well? I forgot to unmute again. Yeah, I've got uh, Zach. Sa- I've got Grand Metallic and TJ Perkins because I think those are the guys at the company signing. 
Yeah, so exactly. I, I don't think, for reasons we already talked about, you're not going to see Sabre moving forward. And I don't think Kota Ibushi is going to be around either. I think that would have been the final if the, they would have gotten those guys signed. But And I think they really would have loved to push Kota Ibushi to the moon on Monday Night Raw. I don't think they're getting either one of those guys. So I think you're getting TJ Perkins, Grand Metallic, and I'm okay with that. I think both of those guys are worthy additions. They're great wrestlers, two of the best in the world. And, um, uh, you know, that, that that's fine, too. It's been interesting to watch all that play out, though. But I think that'll be the final. Yeah. And um, who moves on? I don't think it matters, honestly. I could say I, it's coin flip for me. But I think, yeah, I I really think Metallic will win. I'll go. With yeah, I do, too. I, I think that's a like I, I think Perkins would be a fun one because you can he can really express it a little bit more because, you know, he obviously speaks the language and, he, you know, he's a doesn't have a mask. and He's that sort of guy. But I really like the idea that Grand Metallic and I think they. I don't know how you leave this tournament and not are just not like so incredibly impressed by Grand You know Metallic. what? I changed my mind. I think Perkins will win because I think they'll want the guy to talk and stuff after. He yeah, wins. That, that's that is WWE to and, a point. I, I don't know. I'm still going to go over Grand Metallic because I think he's a more dynamic guy and I think it helps him a little bit more. But there is something to be said of TJ Perkins holding that trophy and going, "I am the cruiserweight classic champion." You, you know, yeah. that's a thing that they do. <laughs> he's going to carry that fucking trophy around everywhere and tell people that he won it. So at least that night they'll want him to cut a nice promo in the ring and sure. interview him. So it'll make more sense for him to win. Um, unless Graham Metallic got a cool story is too. an English master that we don't know about. Yeah, I guess I guess he could surprise us there. And yeah, the, the Perkins story too, I think they might like that one as well yeah. because you know he, it came from homeless. He's been training forever and it's just finally his big I think I like that one, but I, I, I like Graham Metallic as well. I think it's really again when I said it's a coin flip, you cannot go wrong with either of those guys winning. It's just a matter of preference at that point, in, in my mind. Yeah, I agree. At that, it, and I, I really don't think it matters at that point if that's the final. Um, now they might put one of the guys they're not signing in the final, and then have the other guy win. You see what I'm saying? Um, so if you, they could give you Perkins Saber or Grand Metallic Abushi, watch them give us Abushi Saber now. Uh, <laughs> and then Abushi just wins, and we're like, ah, oh, damn it! All right, yeah. Well. But, I mean, it, it wouldn't make sense <laughs> to have a guy win unless you know you have him locked up, because then you don't want to look stupid. You don't want to roll out this whole cruiserweight division and then not have the guy who won the fucking tournament in it. That just would be awful. Um, so yeah, but as far as the tournament as a whole, man, I mean, just so much good stuff. I watched, I binge watched a lot of the second round, every fucking match with the exception of anything with Ho Ho Lunch. The second round was incredible. The second round was absolutely ridiculous. Everything was four stars or better. Yeah. You know, and, and match to your caliber in some cases. Every- like Tony Nese and Brian Kendrick is my least favorite match of the second round. And I love that match. Besides Dar and Lun. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just striking that from the record though. That didn't exist. So Perkins Gargano. <laughs> incredible. Lindsay Dorado versus Swan, incredible. Abushi Cedric Alexander. That might be one of my favorite matches all year. Match of like, the year contender. Kendrick Nice, great match. Great storytelling with Kendrick all throughout. Uh, Gulak Saber, awesome match. I, I love the Gulak Saber match. Maybe my favorite Drew Gulak match ever. Tajiri Grand Metallic. Oh, he's listening to this, this show. He always listens when we badmouth him or we always looks at her tweet when we badmouth yeah, him. There you go. You just one. said you. Yeah. Tajiri Grand Metallic overshadowed by uh, said versus Bushi on the same show, but that was a great match. And Tazawa Jack Gallagher. Okay, I enjoyed that. I really have to force myself with these. Yeah, we're just gonna go with Gallagher until you know that you know. And then the, the next round, Tazawa Metallic. I really love that match. I I was so into that match. Uh, and then the uh, the the other one was uh, oh Kendrick Abushi, the great storytelling yeah. in that, and then the great moment. With Daniel Bryan and Kendrick afterwards. That's the other thing about this tournament. It's been so well booked and it has so many great storylines. And Rich, they're all just sport slash reality based. Right. Guess what? Guess who? Guess what hasn't happened? Nobody has ran down from the entranceway 
No one's interfered. No one's hold, held tights. No one's held someone's ankles. No one's distracted the referee. No one's knocked the referee down and hit him with a chair. It's just been, but you've been able to build stories like that really mean. Like I was taken aback by the Brian Kendrick thing, right? Like everybody was. There's you don't have a heart if you were just said, ah, oh, whatever, get out of here, get out of the ring. Like you don't have a heart if you thought. That. And it was from day one before the tournament started when they planted that seed with him. Yeah, and you know. Everyone likes to get on us. We get subtweeted all the time. Ah, Joe and Rich with their sports-based builds nonsense. Let me tell you something. This entire tournament was sports-based build, and everyone fucking loves it. And the reason they love it is the matches have been great, and the storylines have been sports-based build. You can rip us for that all you want, but all, now that's why you people are putting this over. So keep on ripping us, but the sports-based build works. It's what people want in this generation. It might not be what everyone wanted you know, it's not what people wanted during the Attitude Era. It's not what people wanted in 1985, but it is what people wanted in 1973, and it is what people want now. Times change, things evolve. People go, society goes through phases. Right now, people want reality-based storylines. They want the sports-based build. This has been so great because it's been just a simple. How about when T.J. Perkins beat Swan in this match yesterday, or whenever you know you watched it or whatever it was and immediately after he gets the tap he goes right into that hug yeah because it's like it's, i don't want to do this i hate that i have to do this but i gotta be man you. we're not fighting anymore i won the match it's over i beat you but i love you man you're my buddy i got past you but you know now it's over he didn't hold the lock on he didn't you know what right. I mean? it's like stomp on his leg out on the way out oh that dastardly tj perkins what an asshole like, that's just such great because it's real and it hits you because you can relate to it and, and, and the booking in this tournament and the way that they've gotten people over without any traditional pro wrestling bullshit has really been just as impressive as the match quality. And match quality wise, this has been the best stuff that the WWE has produced in years. I mean, this yeah. stuff is this has been a great tournament. You know, we're, we're taking it for granted. And I think a problem is because it was in August and there was just so much else going on. And like you said, I binge watched because I was so exhausted from G1 and all that stuff that there was one day where I sat down and I said, you know, I'm gonna watch Cruiser Classic. And I watched like four episodes in a row. And I was just like, oh, my God, like this is incredible. Like I have never seen back to back to back to back. Like you turn on that episode in that second round that whatever pick whatever sh- whatever one of those second round you know nights you watch just absolutely stunning stuff. Like I was just my jaw was on the ground of just like oh my god what did i just watch that was an hour that everything was fucking awesome nothing was bad on that entire hour the commentary the camera shots the entrances the wrestlers the stories the everything everything was an hour and i went oh my god everything was perfect i didn't when do you get that when do you there's been a bunch like this there's been a bunch of hours of this show that have been like that it's just crazy it's crazy and it's a shame that some of the first round matches couldn't get more time i understood why they couldn't because I think there really could have been a bunch of great first round, and there were some great first round matches. You know, Gargano Ciampa was a great first round match, and I thought Mustafa Ali versus Lince Dorado. I, again, we haven't had time to talk about this, and I know it's ages ago. I felt like that. I felt like I was watching Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Psychosis when I was watching that match with Lince Dorado in the Ray role and Mustafa Ali in the Psychosis role as the base. But Ali was great too, just like Psychosis yeah. was great in those matches. I'm not calling them a base as as a put down. That match was like five minutes long, and it was... Yeah, it was 5.55, and it felt like it was like... God. There was so much happened in that, but it never felt at any point. I thought point it was a four-star match. I really right. did, because <laughs> both guys were so on point, and the match was so great, and it really... I wish it was under five, because then, you know, when people were like, hey, what are the best under five-minute matches ever? Like, I would always point to that That'd one. That'd be then. one of them. Be right there with Kenta, Ricky Marvin. 
but but yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was the best. So good. It's like, all right, what do we got? Fifteen minutes? Ah, uh, you got three. All right, <laughs> fine. Awesome. We'll do the same match. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the, the Ali Dorado match. I arguably that may have been the best match of the first round for me. I I I might have liked that more than Organo Ciampa, which I thought was. Let's great. see if that's still on there. Okay, you can still find it on YouTube. So anybody that's listening, look up if you've never seen it. Look up Kenta and Ricky Marvin. It is a fascinating match because you know that those dudes got their time cue like a minute before and just went, well, fuck it. We're doing all we're, we're going to do exactly what we were going to do anyway. <laughs> just, it's so good. I mean, I just, I don't want to spoil it for people just, no. but that that's, you know, that's the one. I. Yeah, it's like our Gato uh, impact players when you're going to need a shower when it's over, just cause you're going to just, your head's going to spin. And you're going to go, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah. Incredible. But I mean, uh, there was, there was stuff in the first round that had, you know, potential that just didn't get time and it's a shame that they didn't but everything from that point forward i'll tell you um one guy that i've been the least impressed with not counting first round losers because a lot of those guys didn't get a chance to impress another great first round match by the way was grand metallic versus alejandro saez i thought that was a great match that one was under five minutes and i thought the the other one i should make mention of (coughs) brian kendrick and raul mendoza raul mendoza looked great and losing he did, yes, he he really did, yeah. And that's a guy I really think they should sign, and um, that's a guy who I kind of pimped before the tournament. Um, the former Jinzo, people might remember him from Noah, maybe, maybe not. Um, but man, did he look great! And he had the blood coming out of his mouth, and I thought they had a really good match. And I really think they should sign him because I think there's something there with him. There's a there's a charisma there, and I and I know he could work. The work is not an issue. Um, but as it moved forward, the one guy out of the people who advanced and had a chance to work a couple of matches, I've been the and, and not counting Lund because Lund stinks. The guy that I've been least impressed with is Noam Dar. I have not been impressed. Now you like the saber match. As someone who didn't like the saber match, I didn't like any of Dar's matches. Now, to be fair, yeah. to be fair, and I'll, I'll let you go. Just let me make this quick point. Yeah. To be fair, he worked with Gerv Shira and Hohol. <laughs> and that's a yeah, tough that's... spot because, you know, Shira's just a guy and Hoholun is, is the shits. But I didn't even like the saber match. And that's all fair. of the things I thought were good about the saber match were saber. So Noam Dar is the guy I have not been impressed with. What do you think of Dar? Yeah, I've, I've liked him, um, but I will admit that this is not a great chance to kind of get uh, aligned with him. I, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed what I've seen of him, but I've understood that those limitations in the first two rounds with the Gerv and, and, and with Ho-Ho Lund was just like, all right, look, like he's really just wrestling himself in these matches, and, and there's just not much you can do here. But um, I thought he looked okay in both of those, and I liked his, I liked his performance against Sabre. I really did. I, and a lot of people, it was interesting because I put up on Twitter because I watched it this morning, and I know a lot of other people, of course, watched it um, you know, earlier in the week or whatever, but I had a lot of people that said, hey, wh- what was the consensus on this? Because I wasn't around when they were, and it was almost half and half. There were a lot of people that said I was disappointed, but there were a lot of people that said I loved it and I liked Noam Dar. He really stood out to me. This was his best performance. I really thought, I, so I was at the camp where he really impressed me in this match. No, he has not impressed me the weeks prior, but this one I kind of saw what people see in him and what people have kind of hyped up about him. But I will admit that, yeah, you can come up with and say, yeah, he's kind of been disappointing, but I will kind of counter with, He's had Gerv Shira and Ho Ho Lun as his first two opponents. I mean, you cannot find any two any guy who's had worst two opponents in this tournament. I mean, guy like nobody else. You go down the line, like nobody else has had that bad of a one two lineup. Because pretty much after that first round, all the garbage was gone, and it was just the really great guys, except for Ho Ho Lun, who Noam Dar had to face. So I don't know if it's fair to judge him on that aspect, but yeah, I, I will. I, I admit that people, you, you know, if you say you were disappointed by him, but I enjoyed the Saber match, so I kind of have liked his output after that. And, and I'm really just going to strike from the record. Those other two, because I just don't think he had a chance in either of those. No. And, and I mean, Lund was a little better versus Dar. 
Lund was a sack of fucking flour versus Davari. I mean, he was so bad in that Davari match. Ho-Ho Lund was one of the worst people to be on WWE TV uh, that I can think of in that Davari match. He was that bad. There was no spark to his work. There was no uh, explosion in anything he was doing. Um, he looked like a first-day wrestling school-like person who wasn't athletic. Like who you? Yeah, I felt so bad. There was like, he did like a spin kick, and it, like he didn't get high enough. And Davari had to like put his head in front. It was just. And Davari oh, worked his ass off trying to make he something did, in yeah. that match, and that was the only match where there was a heel face dynamic. Davari tried to work heel, and I think the reason they approached it that way is because even they know that Lund stinks. I think they picked the wrong Chinese guy to advance because I thought Lee looked a lot better than Lund. Yeah, he did. Yeah, against uh, Rich Swan, and I I think that was the shortest first round match. It had got the least amount of time. But I thought, and now look, now I've, Lee always looks okay, even when I've seen him, you know, in Japan or whatever. So, I mean, I think they picked the wrong one to advance. I don't know what they see in Lund. I don't know. I, I even think he looks minor league with the t-shirt. Yeah, well, they signed seven more Chinese guys or Chinese guys and girls uh, yesterday. So I think, uh, I don't think Ho Lund's long well, for the Well, the one uh, Chinese guy they signed is a monster. He's like a hawk. Did you see that guy? They showed him in the back. He was like a fucking beast. I don't know. I feel bad picking on Lund so hard, but I mean, I just, I was so unimpressed with him. I, I thought it was insulting. I actually thought it was insulting he was in the tournament once I saw him in it because there were so many people that would have done so much better with the opportunity. Yeah, and, and, like, and like you're saying, his, 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 even his gear too, like the kick pads, shirts, combo, was, it was just the whole thing looked. And yeah, I, I feel bad picking on him, and, and it's still, it, it's a really great moment that they were able to get someone from China, but it's almost like you have this idea of like, oh, there's better people from China too that they could have picked. So yeah, it was, I, I get the idea, and I'm glad he got the opportunity, but yeah, it's going to be a long time before we see him there ever again, and I don't know if we're ever going to see him there ever again, so... Yeah, and it's like I, I understand wanting to get a Chinese person involved, but you had one already. You know, it's like right. so from that perspective too. I mean, look, if you want to give Ho Ho Lun a shot and sign him to a developmental deal and hide him in the PC and hope he gets better, I get it. But putting him in this tournament was very insulting to a bunch of people. Look at Ethan Page and all the weight that he lost and how badly he wanted to be in this thing. Remember that and all those tweets he was yeah. sending out? And he's like, I guess I got in this great shape for nothing. It's like. And there's probably a million other Ethan Pages who would have done so much better with this opportunity. I just it bother. I don't know for whatever reason it bothers me. All right, any other thoughts on the Cruiser Classic? I mean, I can go on. I mean, we could do three hours on this thing. Yeah, you know? we, we should. I mean, we're going to talk, of course, when the show, um, the um, the finals and the semifinals, the live show. We'll talk a, a ton about that. It's going on the 14th, so that is Thursday, right? So we we'll either have to record. Oh man, is that Wednesday or Thursday? It's uh, Wednesday the 14th. Uh, oh, it's Wednesday. Okay. Oh, so we can talk about it next week. Good. There you cool. go. So maybe we'll probably lead off with it, I would think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be The first New Japan gonna... show is not till the 17th. Right. So, so we'll be able to, well, there's the road too, but nobody gives a shit about no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we'll probably lead off with Cruiserweight Classic because it'll be fresh. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing too. When we plan these shows, when something happens on the weekend, sometimes it's not hot anymore. No one wants, you know, so we'll put it in the second or third hour. This will be fresh. It'll be the day before. So we'll probably, unless a big story breaks, lead off with this. And then we could, you know, we'll do more. You know, I think that as a, because they're doing a Gargano Ciampa tag match on there too that they set up on NXT. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the hook there is if they win, they get another title shot against the Revival. So this show's going to, and it's going to have a lot of these guys who lost too. I think it has a chance. Yeah, it's a mystery vortex show at this point. I don't know if we know anybody else That's or any of the other matches. Because you know the match quality is going to be awesome too with all these guys on there. Yeah, it's all those guys, and you don't care who they face because anybody, if it's you know Cedric Alexander versus who, like, you don't care because it's going to be great. Like all those guys are good. So right, watch Ho- watch Ho Ho Lun get a big spot. <laughs> Ho Lun versus Cedric Alexander. Let's do this. Yeah. 
Um, real quickly before we get out of here, uh, did you dig into the Hidden Gems collection yet? The WWE Network posted those Hidden Gems. You had Last Battle of Atlanta. You had a really fun uh, like South African uh, Stone Cold Bret Hart match. You had the Bret Hart uh, Terry Funk match. Samoa Joe versus William Regal. Did you watch any of those yet? I watched the entire thing with the exception of the uh, I haven't gotten to the Seth Rollins versus uh, Cassius Ono match yet, but I watched everything else. Oh, man, you... You actually made it all the way through that Luthez, like I watched the whole fucking thing. My remote broke on my over the top player, and I could I oh, wanted to no. stop. It was so bad. I mean, Lu- I would just throw in your TV at the wall. <laughs> That's what I would have done. It's over. I have like, never seen a Luthez match that didn't bore me to tears. <laughs> but hey, wrestling doesn't evolve, though, Rich. It doesn't. Evolve. Yeah, I, I I have not watched that one, and I do not think I will. So I'm um, sorry. I, uh, I watch just about everything else on there. I, well, I've heard I was going to watch that Barry Windham Ric Flair match, and then everybody tweeted out, wait a minute, the finish is off. The finish cuts went, oh, off, but it's, you've seen it already, though. It's the same one that's on the Flair DVD, and it's the one. Yeah, okay, so I have that DVD, so that's You've fine. seen that match a million times. It's, it's, you know, that's a match that everyone has seen, I think. It's not a hidden gem. It's not then? a hidden gem at all. I don't know what they're thinking with that, but um, their heart's in the right place. A lot of these matches were hidden gems. No, it's cool. And then the last battle of Atlanta, what was your thoughts on that I one? That's the that, holy grail of, uh, of wrestling. How much time do we have? Uh, yeah, we got a few minutes. We got less than five. Less than five. I thought it stunk. I thought um, it was boring, and but it was your typical 1983 cage match, blow off territory style match, which means it was a lot of punching and kicking, a lot of blood if you're into that sort of thing. But overall, with 2016 eyes, the match was putting me to sleep, and I had a hard time paying attention. Yeah, I was I was kind of the same way as well, and I, I fully understood, and I mentioned this to people, you know, I was talking to people independently of it, of, of, you know, I wasn't on Twitter, because that probably is not a good place to say you don't like this match, because then people, ah, da, 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 but... Um, yeah, I buried I, it on Twitter, it was fine. Yeah. No, but I was saying, the, the thing is, I think jumping into this match, especially with me, like, I don't know a lot of this background of the story. I read a little bit on it, because I wanted to watch the match with a little bit of context, so I read a little bit, and it's the idea that, okay, you can't just parachute into this match in 2016 and really understand it, and then I got a lot of people on Twitter that were like, well, even in 1983, it was still kind of like, eh. Yeah, you know, that's like, the thing. Because th- it, it wasn't a bit, like, because it was like, oh, this is a year too late, like, we gotta get this thing going, like, these guys were hot, and we didn't do it at the right time, like, so it's almost, even in, even in the context of 1983, it was even lacking a little bit in that sense. Well, Rich, I don't even think it was a great match by 1983 standards either. And I think that's what a lot – look, some people really liked it. But I think a lot of people too came away with that too. They're like, oh, wow, we waited all this time for this and it really wasn't that good. You know, Even by those 1983 lowered standards, it wasn't that good of a match. I mean it was boring. I mean uh, Buzz Sawyer, he misses a spinning back fist and hits – no, I'm sorry. Rich misses misses the back fist early in the match and whacks his arm into the cage and then Sawyer starts to work over the arm. And then he kind of just gave up on that, and then there was really no story to the match. They just kicked and punched each other, and they had a very flat finish, which the crowd didn't even respond that great to. I thought that the Paul Elring Ole Anderson match that followed it, which they yeah, watched, that was heated. That was, Everyone was going nuts for that one. That was too. a better yeah. match. That was a better match, and the crowd was hotter for it too. I, you know, I thought Elring was great, bumping, taking the big bumps for Ole, and Ole was great. As the you know the fired up baby face wanting to get his hands on this guy, my God, you know it didn't have any blood, but I don't care about blood. I've never cared about blood, um, you know, and and that's Tommy Rich's deal. He has that white hair. It's not even blonde. He has white hair, and he and and that pasty skin, and he's the he's a he's a perfect bleeder. 
you know? And if you're into bleeding, I could see why you're into Tommy Rich. But Tommy Rich is, you know, a, a five worker. He's just a guy. He's totally a five out of ten as a worker. He's never been a great worker. He's a bleeder. And, you know, he's, he's a baby face who would be put in these kind of feuds. And he wore the white trunks to accentuate the blood. And I don't know if you're a blood mark and you like those kind of like – but it wasn't even good from that standard as like a bloody brawl kind of match. I just thought the match was flat. It didn't hook me at all. And um, I don't know. It's, it's not something I ever want to watch. I couldn't imagine sitting through it again. No, that was that was it for me as well. So, uh, but yeah, a nice little idea. I hope they add more to that. Um, it's a cool little collection. Those collections are kind of fun. The the Eddie Guerrero one's got a lot of good stuff in there too. So I, I like those. And it's a good time idea. To so. Talk about it because I next week let's talk about this again because there was a bunch of matches in that hidden gems thing that I had never seen and, and I have a, I have some thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I, I really I would like to talk about a lot of them because I, I, I watch try to watch everything. So yeah, we'll, we'll do that next week. We'll add that to the, the ledger for next week. So we'll definitely do that. So anyway, uh, before we get out of here, just want to let everybody know you can go to voicewrestling.com to read all of our uh, reviews, all of our columns, a lot of good stuff there this week. Uh, voicewrestling.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Voices Wrestling. Make sure as well, if you don't subscribe to this uh, podcast already, you please do at iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your uh, podcast from, tune in, whatever that is. Uh, and also uh, Voice Wrestling dot com slash Amazon uh, for all your Amazon purchases. You support the uh, this this podcast, the Voice Wrestling flagship, as well as everything we do at the website. If you go to voicewrestling.com slash Amazon and make your purchases there. Also voicewrestling.com slash WWE shop. Uh, anytime you buy WWE shirts, memorabilia, belts, or anything like that, it supports us. It gets a little bit of money back to us and helps us keep this site up and running. And if you follow us on Twitter, again, at Voices Wrestling, we will often tweet uh, deals and coupon codes and sales going on from the WWE shop. Uh, as well, also voicewrestling.com slash, uh, uh, slash forums as well uh, to jump into our discussions, our conversations, and all the other good stuff. And yeah, again, like I mentioned, voicewrestling.com for all the previews. We'll have, of course, coverage of the Evolve weekend. Uh, we have a preview of Backlash up right now. We'll have a review of Backlash and all the good stuff going on this weekend and everything else going on in the world of wrestling. So for Joe Lanza, I am Rich Craig, and we'll see you next time on the Voices of Wrestling podcast. Take care. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer... This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons' frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants.